Uh, looking forward to next year's coverage of the Superliga on ESPN. Welcome to Hand of Pot. Very little to do with football about the fact that um, Walt Disney have just bought a whole load of Fox, including the sports division, I think, which means that now ESPN and Fox, who were competing against each other 12 months ago for the new TV rights, are owned by the same people. Um, so uh, th- there is some uh, talk already in the Argentine press about possibly ESPN getting in on the Superliga after all and being a bit less pissed off about having been shafted out of it this time. Because who can say no to a nice monopoly, right? Indeed, yeah. We all know how much Argentine governments like that stuff. Um, and that will be as political as Handapod gets today because it's a pretty politically touchy day here in Argentina, as we're seeing on the television. I'm Sam Kelly. Welcome to episode 277 of Handapod and the final one for 2017 this week. You've already heard the voice of the man whose living room we're sitting in, Daniel Edwards, English Dan. Hello and welcome to Shea Edwards again. Thank you very much, Dan. And we're also joined by Andres. Hello. And by a newly crowned Copa Sudamericana champion, Peter is back. <laughs> Hello. Thank you. Hello. For the second time, right, since you've been here, or no, were you not here for 2011, was it? No, 10. 10. 10. You were in Mexico in 2010, weren't you? No, no, I hadn't even come here. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I came here the first time in 2011, so I just missed that. So basically, that's why last night was so enjoyable, because I've basically just been witness to years of general decline. Well, there was quite a steep decline at first. Yeah, there's, no, there's a bit of gradually a slightly more gradual rise. Yeah. Similar to River, you, we could say, because River mm. was also in National B, and when they came back, they came back uh, stronger. Yeah, I think could say, and independent. More or less the same. I mean, if it, it, so the pressure really now is on Independiente to win next year's Libertadores to, to yeah. keep up with the pattern that River set. I mean, yeah, that's the that's the thing. I guess the only difference would be River's uh, rise back to the top again was much much smoother than Independiente's. I mean, they stormed the Nacional V mm. and then basically came straight back into contention, whereas Independiente's. Independiente kind of scraped up yeah. to back into the this top This could right. be this could be the start of something similar. Oh, and yeah. Maximiliano <laughs> Mesa, one, I think he, uh, I was uh, surprisedly well surprised because uh, of, of his performance. He said that this is the start of something very very nice. And well, does he mean he's got a transfer to Europe? <laughs> yeah, yes, well, we'll <laughs> you might not have been talking about. Well, I was going yes, to say that like. I was going to say that if he continues, we will see this and. In, uh, from the 28th of January when the Superliga comes back but if he continues with this, this path why not mm. uh, uh, well uh, it's not uh, impossible to think of him being in the national team uh, given the last great performances of course if it's something that happened right now and it doesn't continue well but if the, 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 the match he played last night was of a, a player that deserves a national team Hmm. If it was a particular match because if final Maracana nothing easy but hmm. 
could it could sound uh, uh, well to make his performance even bigger than it was but well, we will see we will start with this topic in partly in order that, that Dan can get it out of the way nice and quickly of course and then Maybe. get on to the stuff that you'll enjoy more <laughs> as a Rassig fan um, and partly because we you know we, we recorded Tuesday last week to preview the entire thing and then gave a very very brief preview of it to be honest um, and it would be nice to now look over both of the legs of the Copa Sudamericana which it has to be said were thoroughly entertaining matches both of them um, in slight contrast to the Libertadores final really it, it, it was a bit daft because I, we'll get on a little later to the, uh, what our thoughts have been of, of the two new look continental competitions now that they're year round and how well we think that's worked um, but one thing that I was surprised by when I realised it and I didn't realise it really until about a month and a half ago was the fact that the, um, the big sort of season ending event was not going to be the Libertadores final for Condomon. This was something that had Sam up in arms. Um, you have no idea. I, I just, you know, if, if you're going to try to, to, to do things the European way, in inverted commas, as it were, surely you have the bigger cup being the, the latter final. And okay, the, the Libertadores final couldn't have been held any later than it was because, of course, Gremio are now in the United Arab Emirates playing the Cup World Cup. But the Sudamericana well, final, right? right. final could have been played much earlier than it was because there were whole rounds before where there was like a month or a month and a half in between different legs of the same round. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, apart from that, it felt like more of a showpiece because it was a better game. I think the interesting, the interesting thing for me, having watched by finals, especially the second legs uh, by finals, I can't remember the first legs of each because they were a long time ago. Um... What I saw was that Independiente and Lanús are sort of similar teams when they got on the pitch. They like to play fast, they like to hit down the flanks. They both have this kind of burly centre-forward who, you know, uh, injects a bit of uh, movement into the rest of the team, if not moving that much themselves. And the interesting thing for me as a neutral, let's, let's say neutral, why not, <laughs> um, was to see how each Brazilian team in turn... Uh, dealt with this because I thought Gremio set up pretty perfectly to be honest uh, to play Lanús especially in Lanús's own stadium uh, they pressured they got in Lanús's face and meant they couldn't take the ball out and and hurt them uh, they couldn't get the normal game going and it did really well and they did this playing at a tempo which was a lot higher than what the tempo that most Brazilian teams are accustomed to playing with. What are you doing with my phone, Sam? Oh, that's your phone. Sorry, yeah. I was trying to get it away from the microphone because I can hear things in the... Um, All right. It, it's, I think it's interfering. Carry on. Fair enough. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so, for me, Gremio had a brilliant game against Lanús, in, especially in Lanús's own backyard, doing that, playing them at their own game, getting in their faces and making them commit mistakes. Flamengo didn't do that. Flamengo played at this kind of dawdling, very laid-back pace, which if anyone's ever had the misfortune to watch much Brazilian Serie A, they'll know very well. It was actually also quite similar to Gremio's approach in the first leg of the Libertadores final. Yeah, as I say, I didn't... I can't remember much of that. Lanús was slightly more attacking than they were in the first leg of their semi against Mm -hmm. River, but Gremio were just playing at walking pace, which was... As somebody who doesn't watch the Brazilian Championship myself, it, it was bizarre. I, I couldn't work out yeah. what they were doing. 
Gremio learned a lesson. Flamengo evidently didn't, even in front of their own their own fans. Pretty hostile Maracanã with lots of um, what people like to call folklore, but uh, more you know most normal people would call it vandalism <laughs> against the Independiente players and fans. Um, especially in the first half, they just looked so. Uh, they just lacked urgency. They didn't really look bothered about winning at all, and and Independiente gained confidence from that. And they were the best team in the in the first half. The second half, they did eventually pick it up a bit, and I think it could have gone either way. It didn't look particularly like Independiente were whether really hanging on. They were never particularly stretched, um, but. It's credit to Independiente as well. I mean, Flamengo is one of the biggest teams in the world. They've got masses of history. They've got a lot of very good players. And, and they were nullified, basically. I think. Didn't both the goals come from set pieces over the yeah. two legs? Yeah. And that said something about Independiente as well. Their defence came through and just really nullified their, their opponents. Yeah. And we could also mark differences between the, what you said, between Gremio and Flamengo. Mm. Same similar differences between Lanús and Independiente because I think that when Lanús realized that they were at the first final of Copa Libertadores ever, it was like they went out of the game. Mm. It was like they were nervous, yeah, there, were, there was a lot of tension in there. Yes, they the couldn't uh, cope with that, with that, uh, what, what, with, with what that means. And I think Independiente was the, just the opposite way. Uh, they said, I want to, want to win the final, and, and they were like, they played the better. Uh, as long they they went uh, uh, farther in the, in the in the Copa Sudamericana. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you, do you it was a very mature do you, performance. Do you, think Independiente? you think there's a degree to which that is because when Independiente get to the final of the Continental Cup, they're like, right, this is where we're supposed to be. Um, it is and it so isn't. You, I mean, you've not got that sort of institution. Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways, right? Because Lanús, on the one hand, have got this chance to do something historic for the club, and that's a lot of pressure. Whereas Independiente are expected. To win in continental finals, and that's a lot of pressure as well, I guess. In I the end, the clubs though, don't well. win games, mm. players win games on the pitch. You look at Independiente's first team, right? So the clubs won seven Libertadores, oh, won a couple yeah. of but you but got kids like Marco, who's 18, but the psychology Yeah, and it was interesting because I heard Barco talking about that mm. in the build up before the first leg, and he was saying that uh, you know, Boccini and <laughs> several of the like icons of the club are often at the training ground. And he said that they're always telling the players about <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they've won so many Libertadores, and he's the, you know that's really hammered hammered in. And he was, his point was that it's made them very sort of jealous and sort of like <coughs> we want to be part of that history. Hmm. And uh, you know, I, I have to admit, if I was one of the modern players and the old guys were giving me that, <laughs> I'd, I'd be going, yeah, you you went into a lot of those. Yeah, that's right. They didn't have to get through the whole competition. Is that right? It's like, yes, like the Beatles uh, learn teaching uh, someone to play guitar. Seems something similar, like, <laughs> of course, with the differences that uh, that marks that. And I think on the on the subject of being a bit more relaxed, I did think in the first leg of the, in the Sudamericana final, the fir- almost until going behind in the first leg, mm. Independiente did look a bit. Um, not overawed, but a bit too over-eager in terms of the very sort of breakneck speed. As a result, the passing was very loose. And it wasn't really until going behind, I thought, when it was almost like, hang on a second, 
we're now on the verge of ballsing this up. Yeah. Um, when they started to come into it, and then for the second after going behind, they really dominated the second, the, the end of that first half. Yeah, the two goals that Independiente scored in the first leg were both superb. Yeah, it came either really side of half time, more or less. And that period of this, of sort of the second half of the first half and first half of the second half, mm. they were far superior. Could have been further ahead than two one, um, and you kind of thought, mm, is that going to come back to bite they, them in the ass when they go to the Maracanã? And they started losing both games, uh, mm. so yeah. that's mm. another another thing. The personality of the of the team, mm. well, Barco with eighteen years shooting the penalty that gave gave the the club the the the, 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 the tournament or the cup, uh, knowing that he will probably leave yeah. the, the last match at Independiente, although that. Holland tried to convince him or to talk with him not to leave to the MLS. He probably will be playing at well, was, Atlanta. He was on Fox Sports earlier today saying that he is definitely leaving. It's expected to be announced either today or tomorrow. So given that it's now nearly 8pm on Wednesday, on Thursday, uh, presumably it will be announced on Friday. Didn't say which club. But of course the, the very heavy rumours are a $14 million move to Atlantic United. Um, so that was after the team bus broke down on its way back from Brazil. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. The, the, they got the bus? No, the there team was a... coach. There's a parade yeah. bus from Aceysa today back to the stadium. Oh, right, OK. As many people pointed out, they should have taken a lorry. They had plenty of trucks hanging around, but they, they chose a bus. I think in the comparison with Lanús, though, again, it's, it's also worth pointing out that I think this is probably Independiente, in all fairness, with Barco almost certain to leave mm. Independiente are now at the, at the probably at the peak and they're probably going to go into the Libertadores next year oh you reckon yeah because I don't think he's going to be the only one that leaves I think Tagliafico is going to go in this window but I mean the other thing was that this is also Independiente what 14th of December so it's four months since they lost uh, Emiliano Rigani yeah no I mean, who seemed like a massive loss to them then and it, I mean, he's, he's doing fantastically only, in Russia but. my only problem is that if it was just Barco I might be inclined to say Mm-hmm. There won't be a, a noticeable drop off, but I fear that he won't be the only major absentee by the time the Libertadores kicks off next season. And I think what we find with Lanús, this Lanús that's competing in the final of the Libertadores, which you'd think is like the pinnacle of the of their recent sides, is mm. is a weaker version mm. of the one that won the league eighteen months previously, yeah. whatever it is. So I think the, the the rapid nature of how everything changes in Argentine or South American football means that, you, that the team suddenly go from being yeah. I mean, so I guess Independiente in those terms have a little bit of an advantage in that Gigliotti is the only thirty-something-year-old in the starting lineup, if I'm right. Whereas Lanús, three of their as, as we discussed when Phil was on, three of their absolutely key players are like a hundred. Yeah, yeah. Years no, old in that sense, I think literally that um, this was definitely the end of a cycle for Lanús. It's not the same sense with Independiente it's more the fact that they may be in the position where they're going to need to replace more than one absolutely key player and yeah. if for example Barco goes you say okay he had a major role in the run to winning the trophy um, even if you would say they could like Rigoni you, you may be able to move on but if you then also took out Tagliafico from that defence maybe I don't know maybe like someone like Maxi Messa mm-hmm. uh then you'd be thinking, okay. No, the advantage that Independiente have got is that they do have a deep squad, even compared to like the best teams in Primera. There is 
a lot of rotation or Lamb was able to do this season. Uh, Forward-wise, there are people that can come in. You know, Albertengo was on the bench. Yeah, These yeah. guys, Albertengo's yeah, a very, very acceptable striker, let's say. So, if they have to juggle next year, Libertadores with Primera, because I think they're only nine points off Boca, so you wonder, with perhaps, with a game in hand. Yeah. So, the championship isn't exactly out of reach. No. And, you know, they will lose key players, probably, and it will hurt, but I don't think that will prompt them to have to go out and spend... Massively, no, if the players are already there, they might not yeah, be yeah. on the same level as Abarco, as Amesa, or as Taliafico, but and they're not going they're there. Go You've got Sanchez Mino on the money. bench as well. Like, yeah. there's a lot of cover there in yeah. the squad. So I'm not saying they're going to win the Libertadores or win no. the Championship, but they have everything what, in I think place what I, to have what a I would say fairly standard. Comp- if they were, like for example, Boca in the financial position where in the last win, oh yeah, Boca, they lose one player, they buy three. But even last window when people were coming in for um, Pavon, for example, mm-hmm. and Boca, the only club in Argentina who were able to say no to probably about $15 million, yeah. stay and sign a new deal with a buyout clause of $30 million. It's like no one, else, no one else would really be able to be in that position. No. Um, and I think I would go as far to say if Independiente were in a position where they could keep everyone from this team you'd put them in a bracket of contenders for the Liverpool Oh, totally. Completely. Are they going to have to replace the manager? Because after the match last night, Orlando said that he didn't know whether he was staying. I, I don't know. I've not been on Twitter that much today. So Moshana came out today and said there's no way he's going. Yeah. He I, said that he will think oh, about I it. I don't think you can uh, cross Moshana. When, when he was interviewed uh, after the match and he was crying because of he, he was touched and, mm. and all that thing, uh, he said that he suffered a lot. I, I don't know if it's only because of his encounter with Bebote uh, Alvarez, the, the Barra. Mm-hmm. Or He's under protection, isn't he? Yeah. He's under police protection since that. Uh, but he said I that he will think but, because... Yeah, it's yes. not surprising. Which is what, what I think he was referencing when he said, my family and I, because I think since then, and he went to give a statement to the police about the incident, I think he's been under some sort of police guard at the house. So... Um, I mean, as I said to you on Twitter, it's an absolute travesty that mm. you're in a position where you have to talk about a potential championship-winning coach walking away because of a threat of uh, hooligans. But it will be a pity because uh, same way as it happened that Defensive Justicia, uh, the neutral fans, perhaps even Dan, uh, like to, to watch uh, independent play. Uh, of course, I don't like the uh, defeating River. Uh, even when they when they play against River, it wasn't a, a, a clear. Uh, uh, it, it was uh, it wasn't better clearly than, than River. But uh, uh, I, I watched when they. I like to watch the Benta play with other teams, and I, I now well when they celebra- uh, became champions of the Copa Sudamericana, I said. Uh, or I thought it was truly and 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 really deserved because of the way they played and, uh, and with with Holland, which it was it was clearly uh, uh, remarkable the way he changed the, the, the mm. team. Yeah, it, it took a while to get going, but I mean, I was thinking during the semi-finals um, of the Sudamericana, and and even more so now after the final, that really it, they play of. I think all of the Argentine sides I can think of 
um, at the moment. They, they play the most sort of joined up football going forward. That Nobody is the big star who the rest of the team are relying on. And that's probably one reason that Barco has looked so good because he's not had all of that pressure put on his shoulders in the way that Eric Lamela did breaking through a river in the relegation season, for instance. And which um, I think at times when Barco first came to him, he did. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, when Oland took over, in fact, he benched Barco, right, yeah. for the tail end of last season and, and gave him substitute appearances and then he's moved into the left wing this season. And Barco started off saying, you know, I wasn't that fond of of playing on the left wing I wanted the number 10 role but now I'm enjoying the space that you get out wide and, and it's a different uh, way of playing um, but the, the the collective I think is really strong and so when after the I think it was the second leg of the semi-final Peter it might have been the, the first leg of the, the final when when you put up on Independiente in English your um, excellent English language Independiente <laughs> Twitter account um, that Sam Pauli was watching and, and that that's how he should want his national team to play it sounds a little bit hyperbolic maybe and obviously you were saying it as an Independiente fan but actually I, I thought well yeah it would be an improvement yeah, no, not I mean, necessarily to the same to exactly the same level but yeah. in that style I think that, it was more and he had said something along the lines of like out of the teams in Argentina that he watches yeah. it was Independiente who he kind of Precisely. is most attracted to yeah. and, and the other thing is that they're doing it and, and in recent weeks particularly they have developed a, a, a particular habit of doing it better in the big games yeah. as well um, which again so is something this... which has changed under Holland because exactly. one of the problems I used to have with the team is they only seemed to ever play well when there was really nothing riding on it so there was the season what was the last the first long season we had in 2015 yep. yes and it was the second half of the season when Independiente with Manquesha, when he was scoring a lot, when they went on a very good run, but the, the title was like the first half had already rendered the title race over, and they won like eight games in a row or something. Yeah. It meant absolutely it meant, nothing. It meant absolutely nothing until they managed to get themselves back into the position to play the playoff against Racing for the Libertadores, which they lost. Ah, mm. memories. So it was kind of a case of okay, well, you there's a mental problem here. It seems where every time, and the same with all the previous Copa Sudamericana runs, where I think they should have beaten. Um, there was also something similar. Sorry for interrupting. There was something similar in the past season, right? That they got right into contention for a Libertadores place, and yeah, well, they lost the last day of the season against Lanús. Yeah, well, no, they drew when Drew got yeah. the penalty, which could have would have guaranteed it. it. And then the pr- two previous runs in the Sudamericana, the same. I think they should have beaten Chapecoense. Uh, and then the season before against um, Independiente Santa Fe were two games where they just basically shot themselves in the foot, really, yeah. to, to fail to progress. You thought, ah, th- these are very, very winnable matches which are finding ways not to. So so pleasing this season to actually see them in a knockout tournament, as you say, in the games, even after they lost the first leg or went behind, actually say, right, okay, we can still actually turn this around. And I think there is something even more incredible, and it's almost a miracle. I think that independent supporters should even think of building a, a, a statue to, to Holland. He made, he let play well. I think that's incredible. <laughs> that's really something, well, we, you can expect Barco, Mesa, uh, but yesterday Higliotti was another of the yeah, three. Yeah, it's absolutely not, not only that, but Gigliotti was denied by a fantastic <laughs> goal line clearance. One of the least Emmanuel Gigliotti goals I think I would ever have seen him score. As a run from the halfway line, followed off with a beautiful bob of the goalkeeper, and Juan just got back in time to nod it. I, I thought it was in. 
Yeah, I was, no. I was actually typing on the independent and, and then I looked at the television again and went, no, hang on, what? That's out for a corner. I looked at this post-match interview and just goes, me sacaron de la línea, la puta madre. It's like, I'm, I'm never going to do this goal again. And <laughs> took it in the final as well, why? And Marco didn't touch the ball thinking that he was offside and he wasn't, mm. I think, because uh, he was like, like this, like, I won't touch yeah, it. Yeah. And, no, he, and I think Gigliotti deserves an enormous amount of praise mm. in the semi-final final victories because although injuries kind of hindered his progress in Independiente Campania too to be fair because Campania for me for Pand is possibly the best goalkeeper in South America right now I agree after the Libertadores that Marcelo Groy had really I'm throwing out yeah no, the, the, I the would certainly put him Groy, I don't watch him week to week, yeah, so I can, true. you know, but Campania, I mean, it's hard to... He's yeah, no, I agree, I think in the, almost every week, if you, yeah. when you watch Independiente, he's one of the best players when, if, if, there aren't, if any games where they've been under the cosh, mm. he never really makes a mistake. This guy from Russo Rodriguez to Campania, it's just like... Yeah, exactly. Someone so who's just yeah. an accident. Well, you know, from like, there to an accident. The ball was already set pretty low, but he's cleared it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then some. And going back to Gigliotti for a second, it's it's a certain degree, of course, of, of revenge on the Copa Sudamericana mm. for him, because as Andres and I are more than happy to remind him, uh, he missed a penalty <laughs> in the 2014 Copa Sudamericana semi-final for Boca Juniors against River Plate um, in in that Copa that, of course, River went on to to win the first of their yeah, the first trophy they won under Marcelo Gachardo, wasn't it? Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a certain amount of vindication in this for him as well on a personal level. So, yeah, congratulations to him and congratulations to the rest of Independiente. And I think this will be to close the South Sudamericana Copa Sudamericana section. It was good for Independiente to win the Copa Sudamericana because it was like a revenge from the Gremio defeating Lanús as a, a Brazilian side. Mm. Now there will be in the Recopa Sudamericana a Brazilian and Argentinian side, yeah. which is perhaps better. Oh, and one last thing as well that I found interesting was that uh, the last time that Gremio won the Copa Libertadores in 1995, it was the same year that Independiente won the Recopa Sudamericana, which is the, the forerunner to the current Supercopa, um, and Independiente won that, that Recopa against Flamengo in the, in the Maracanã in the second leg. <laughs> so, well, there you go. Some nice power. And the Supercopa yeah. wasn't it also? At, in the 1995 at Maracanã against Flamengo? 95 was the... 95 was the... Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, can't, yeah. I don't know whether actually... But yeah, it might have been called the Supercopa at the time. Supercopa it was then Mercosur and then yeah, Supercana. Yeah. 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 Uh, they right. lost 1-0 in the Maracanã but still they'd won 2-0 the week before. Mm. Indeed. Um, let's move on to the rather more mundane subject of the Superliga. Uh, Don't we tackle Copa Argentina first? Oh, we can, on, uh, oh yeah, let's Copa, do that. Yeah, on right, a Copa kick? Completely forgotten about that. So yes. that makes more sense, actually. We've been recording for 27 minutes, so <coughs> if we record a few minutes on the Copa Argentina final, um, then we can then talk about the Superliga after a short musical interlude. So the Copa Argentina final was played on Saturday night in Mendoza. Um, it's just one match, of course, unlike the, the rest of the finals in the Continental Cups. Um, and it was played between River and Atletico Tucumán, who were playing, at least by some measures, probably the biggest match in their history. Uh, it was apparently Atletico Tucumán's second uh, national mm. final um, in their 115-year history. 
it would have been the chance for them to win their first trophy. They didn't manage that because Reba got a 2-1 victory uh, with goals Nachos Coco from... And Nachos. Nachos Coco and Fernandez. Thank you, Coco yes. And, and obviously a goal for Atletico Tucumán from Luis Pulga. La Pulga Rodriguez. Which means, just a little bit of trivia, that San Martín de Tucumán remain the only team from San Miguel de Tucumán uh, to win a national title, a national cup. Which, Which I believe, I can't remember the name, but it was in the 1930s or something like that. Good grief. Copa Roca? No, that was the one between Argentina and Brazil, wasn't it? Yeah. No. It, it is taking into account in the new sum, uh, summaries that they, they now uh, t- took some cups or some tournaments to the general st- stats. Oh, it's, really yeah. it's one of those, but San Martin Ceruja remained the only team. I, I was watching the end of a basketball game last night on uh, ESPN and they showed a sort of rundown for some reason of last year's League Cup in England. Um, but just only Manchester United matches and only the goals from, only the Manchester United goals from Manchester United's matches. They didn't even show the ones their opponents scored. So they made a programme just for you, so Yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was a bit weird. But then at the end, <laughs> after, after the final, when they're showing the trophy presentation, they say... Um, Manchester United have won it. They said another major trophy, and I was like, eh, "It's not really a major trophy." Uh, and then they went, and then they said, "The champions of the English Cup." No, what are you talking? About? It's not the English Cup. The English Cup is the FA Cup, surely. So yeah, these all of the different uh, cups that have existed in Argentina. We've actually had a question about the Copa Argentina as well later on. Um, but yeah, all the different cups that have existed in Argentina do, do make things um, rather confusing. Even Atlanta have one, the Copa Suiza, of course. Good grief. The, the Swedish Cup in 1958 in honour of the World Cup oh right okay yeah of course yeah it would be the, the Sweden Cup rather than the Swedish Cup but yes um, no Sweden Cup because it's uh, Copia yeah. Copa Suecia not yeah exactly yeah, that's, 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 I was correcting myself ah. um, but yes anyway uh, I can't I, I honestly I can't remember very much of the final already it was a very good first half and a pretty yeah. uh, uninspired second half like. it was 2-1 to River at half time right is that right? Or no, they, no they, they got it. They got the second just after just half time. Yeah. Fernandez's goal was it? Oh, of course yes. it was. Yes, with his left foot cutting in from the right. Yeah, yeah. Looked in the first half as like it was going to be an absolute classic because both teams attacked really well and defended absolutely horrifically, which is always um, an excellent sign for the neutral. And, yeah. and the second was a bit of a damn. And the seconds, they both kind of tightened up. River a little bit better than Atletico, and they were they were fair winners. I don't think you can argue too much with the result. It was good to see Nacho Fernandez score that winner after what has been a fairly difficult. He's gone off the boil, yeah. a bit, particularly in the second half of the year. Yeah, um, and you look at the the big matches. Was it he got sent off in the Super Classico? Yeah, and then got sent off in the Libertadores. Did he? Or something in oh, he, no, I think it was Gonzalo Martinez who got sent off in the, against Lanús, wasn't it? In Libertadores? Oh, no. Gonzalo Martinez? Sent off, was it? No, no maybe I'm wrong. wrong. No, Nacho got sent off against Boca. Yes. Yeah, but I thought he got sent off again, didn't he, in the Libertadores? I think so, no. No. Can't no. remember that. But anyway, you're. Well, you I remember thinking, yeah. like, God, it's a really bad couple of weeks for him. The point is that he's. Based on the verge of the national. Yeah, the point is that he's. That, that he's, he's suffered a major drop off in form I think as much as anything else uh, I, I think it's tiredness because River have had you know we were talking about the, the depth of Independiente's squad 
um, beating Racing in, in, in the Classical with the, with the reserve side. All right, and, all right, all right. And as we'll get on to in a few minutes, beating Arsenal between these two legs of the final with a reserve side as well. Um, well, that was much weaker than anything else. Indeed, so. yeah. But still, um, River do not have anywhere near that that day. I think if River put the kids out against Arsenal, I would not be entirely confident that River would get a result um, at the moment. Um, and so Nacho came back from an injury, I think I'm right in saying, mm. and has basically had to play every game since. And I think it's as much that as anything else. I don't think that he has suddenly become a bad player. No, no. I think he's just knackered. Um, and yeah, it was it was particularly nice to see him score the goal for that reason. He might be off now. There's talk about him maybe getting an offer from Spain or somewhere, yeah. I think, or Italy. Um, well, he, he's um, um, here, and, and, and along with uh, Piti Martinez, are the two perhaps more sell players that the players that could be sell, sold in the, in this summer mm-hmm. because of well his uh, I think more Piti Martinez yeah. uh, than Nacho Fernandez because Nacho Fernandez uh, he well he was injured in the, at the po- in some point and then uh, at some point and then he his performance wasn't Shh. that great uh, until this of course Saturday against the Adigal Tucumán but surely River don't need to sell now after getting rid of Drusi and Alario for Krasnodar so much. Yes. You think at least they'd be able well, to put, keep their squad together? Yeah, yeah I, I guess think so. But yeah. I think there's, there's this kind of unspoken understanding with Argentine clubs sometimes that from time to time the players deserve a move abroad if they can get it, especially yeah. if it's the kind of move that's going to give them financial security. For the Nacho and Didi really deserve a move. I mean, I think they yeah. not need to do a little bit more. I think the only difference would be... Well, they've won the Libertadores with the club. Yeah, and I think... I'd say they need to do a little bit more. They weren't exactly the key I think Bitti Martinez, I wouldn't be surprised, put it that way. Yeah. To see him go in this window. I would be quite surprised, I think, to see Nacho Fernandez go, but maybe Bitti Martinez... Martinez is younger. Fernandez is is 27. He's turning 28 in January. So I think he's at the age now where if he gets an offer, I think that River are sort of likely to go. You know, if it's a chance to go to Spain... You're lying to me. No, he didn't, did he? But Bitti Martinez... No, if he gets an offer from a Spanish club or an Italian club, so it's going to be a multiple of what he's able to earn at River or anywhere else in Argentina. Or, or South America. The thing is that Gonzalo, well, Pity Martinez, has been saying recently that uh, no, he, he won't say, he, won't never, he will never say that he wants to leave. But he said, well, if there is an offer, I will talk with, the, with my agent. That means that he wants to leave. And, yeah. mm. and, and also, I think in the last probably two windows, since he came mm-hmm. consistently good, yeah. he's been linked with Move Away but hasn't. Yeah. Um, and I think at some point he is going to say, "Look, exactly. I stuck around for this long. Now I don't know Sporting seems to be the team most heavily linked with him from mm-hmm. time to time." Martinez and Acuna in the same team—that would be pretty, yeah. pretty potent. Yeah, decent to watch. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Fernandez. As I said, I think it's Spain or Italy are the likely destinations. Well, Spain so. will, should be perhaps perfect for him because of his surname. Yes, um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he's got the surname. He's got the surname yeah. for it. Um, but no, I mean wherever it is, I'll uh, I'll be looking at him fondly. It's all, I always find it particularly nice. I, the same reason that I, I find it difficult as a River sympathiser to be angry at Lucas Alario. Um, when a player moves to River, and I before you know when River announced it, I go, yeah, he's going to be a really good player for them, and then it turns out that he is. Um, so I, I wish Fernandez all the best if indeed he is off. Um, of course, River had already qualified for the 2018 Copa Libertadores via the league, which means that Atletico Tucumán 
take the uh, Primera Division, uh, sorry, the Copa Argentina slot from Argentina for the next um, next year's Libertadores. That means that we now know with Independiente winning. Yeah. Yep. Well, the, the last year they were in the playoff, and this year they go straight into the group stage. Um, so this, we, we now already know who is in it. And oh, I tweeted it yesterday, didn't I? But let's see whether I can remember this off the top of my head. Boca Juniors won the league in 2016, 16-17, 2016-17, which means they're in. River finished second in the league, which means that they're into the group stage. The third place team on goal difference behind River were was it San Lorenzo? Yeah, I think yeah. So. Um, and then in fourth was Racing. Racing? Mm-hmm. Racing, yes, you're quite right. Fifth place were Banfield, who therefore go to the um, second of the three playoff rounds. And Independiente, of course, take the Copa Sudamericana slot. And as I've mentioned just now, Atletico Tucumán have the um, Copa Argentina slot. That's seven teams. So here's some trivia. When go straight into the group was the last time all five Grandes were in a Copa Libertadores? Oh, has it tweet, ever happened? Somebody tweeted this last year before the draw saying that because Independiente were the only ones who weren't, I think. Yeah. Is that right? No, Boca. This time last year? Oh, yeah, Boca. Boca, Boca yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't remember. It, it's happened, I think. Has it happened? I think. I'd be surprised, I mean, because Racing went a long time without getting yeah. it. Um, we shall look it up. It's good to see, though. Free, like, possibly. For the tournament, it's right. great. Mm. Yeah. Certainly for the, the tournament. Um, the television viewing figures in Argentina is going to be great. Really? Uh, nothing else. No, I think even as a neutral, if, I mean, all of us have <coughs> connections with teams that involved it, but yeah. I think for anyone listening who perhaps just has an interest in general for Argentine football, mm. that seems to me to be the ideal situation where sometimes, you know, like last year, I think Atletico Tucumán kind of sneaked <coughs> in with the two, the two, there was the two zones, wasn't there? Mm. <laughs> No, sure, sure, they sneaked in. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they did in the sense that there was never really actually organised, was it, properly? Oh, there we are, I was wrong, sorry, it's not San Lorenzo. I've, I've just got my own... No, San Lorenzo are out, that's why Mariano always complains. Indeed. Um, so the, the Argentine clubs in the 2018 Copa Libertadores, I, I almost remembered it, but I didn't quite get it right. It's Boca, <coughs> River, Estudiantes finished third behind uh, River on goal difference. Racing... <laughs> Atletico Tucumán via the Copa Argentina and Independiente via the Copa Sudamericana. They all go straight into the group stage. And then Banfield, who finished fifth in the league, go into the second playoff stage. And into the Sudamericana are San Lorenzo, who finished sixth. Lanús, Newell's Old Boys, Defensa Justicia, Colón. And thanks to Independiente's Copa Sudamericana win last night, bumping Independiente up into the Libertadores, because Independiente finished, I think, about eighth or something in the league. Um, Rosario, They're just a place outside because of that. Missed penalty. Yeah. Uh, of course, yes, of course. They, they finished above San Lorenzo, didn't they? Um, Rosario Central, therefore, go into the Sudamericana, which means that we, we didn't get the Clásico de Avellaneda in the semis no. this year, unfortunately. There is a small chance of a Clásico Rosarino at some point in next year's Sudamericana, which mm. might just cause some reason to end the competition for all, all time. But there will be a Super Copa Argentina between River and Boca, which is... Oh, yeah, we all want to do. Of course, but it's, there was only one once in which River and Boca uh, played for a title. Hmm. You may think it's not, of course, major title, title but it will be... It, uh, uh, the result of that match will uh, 
they find who will be there. Yeah, it's definitely going to be major by the time the game comes along. Yeah, indeed. And, and there was there was very briefly some talk about playing it in Miami, which, in, in, in my opinion, in my opinion, I think that, that Copa is, that's treating the Supercopa Argentina with all of the respect that it deserves, just as the Italians do with theirs. I think it's a good. It's better. Thing. I think it's better because um, there the won't fans, be any problems the fans here. here I, I, I'm pretty sure that if it was going to be like, I don't know, if it was Lanús against. Atletico Tucumán for the, the Supercopa Argentina I think everybody would be like yeah sure why not whatever because nobody cares who would go to Lanús and Atletico well, Tucumán in Miami fan, fans of Lanús and Atletico Tucumán happen to be in Miami but there wouldn't be this uproar <laughs> whereas the second that it was even just rumoured that it might happen um, after River won the Copa Argentina on Saturday night people were like oh you can't do this it's disrespecting a great title like, fuck off it's not a great title it's the Supercopa <laughs> but anyway um, I have disagreed with, with Argentines on the hand of pod panel before about the importance of Super Cups. Not with Andres, I, I hasten to add. Mostly with Seba. It's um, very important. But, yeah. It's, um, but it only came in a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, because the Copa yeah. Argentina. The problem is that they are only one match, uh, and it's not a cup. Mm. But to play that, that match, because it's not a cup, it's a match, you have to win a, a cup before that. Yeah. So... Mm. The, the thing I'm most annoyed by is that then the AFA do put you on the list of National Cup winners and they, they give you another, just like Independiente winning a league title for beating Newells that time uh, in 20, what was that, 2014. Um, anyway, I think that we now have reached the half-time period, so I will blow the whistle. I can't whistle, so I, I, I shouldn't have said that. Thank you, Dan. Um, and I will go and refill our glasses of Fernet. And when we come back, we will talk about the Superliga um, weekend just gone, the final Superliga weekend of the year. We, I don't know, maybe we should have a quick look at the Primera B Nacional standings at least as well, because mm. it is the summer break coming up, isn't it? Um, Two weeks ago, it was Agropecuario. Yeah, the Soy team still winning. Wow. We'll definitely have a look at the standings, even though we can't say anything about the games. Um, and then we will answer some listeners' questions, so don't go away. Before we go on to the Superliga final weekend of the season, uh, we have tracked down San Martín de Tucumán's one national title. Dan, would you like to tell us about it, since you're the one who remembered it? San Martín de Tucumán won the 1944 edition of the Copa de la República, which was a nationwide competition. First of all, they got out of a group uh, for teams in the north of Argentina. Uh, They went on to beat Boca in the final stages because Boca went through in a different cup which was for Primera clubs Primera obviously in that time was only for clubs from the Buenos Aires and Rosario area they beat Boca then Sarmiento de Resistencia who went through from the Litoral the riverside zone I guess we could say (laughs) the coastline it's kind of like the river coastline Yeah. yeah The, the literal translation. Yeah. Right. Um, very good, very good. And then they beat Newells in the final. Uh, becoming, in the process, the first ever team uh, not directly affiliated to the AFA 
to win an official cup. Yeah. And that's something that Atletico Tucumán are yet to do. The uh, Boca and, and Newells were two of the clubs, along with Platense and uh, Huracan, by the way, who qualified for that cup by uh, reaching the semi-finals of the Copa Britannica, the British Cup of the Primera División, um, which is the most excellently named trophy, if not the most official one. And also, it says here, San Martin were the first indirectly affiliated club to the Af- of the AFA. Yeah, just um, to Oh, you did? Sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I was too busy yeah. scrolling down. If our own host won't listen, what chance have we got of our listeners? Indeed. Um, here we are anyway. The Superliga, the 12th round of matches has been played. We'd already had three of these games, of course, beforehand, but I'll just refresh your memories as to the scores. River Plate beat Union 2-0 uh, three weeks ago, pretty much. Better Southfield beat Godoy Cruz three weeks ago, 1-0. Uh, sorry, no, they didn't. They hosted Godoy Cruz and lost 1-0 um, three weeks ago today. And San Lorenzo two weeks ago beat Atletico Tucumán. 2-0 in Bajo Flores and then over the weekend just gone on Friday evening Tempele got a 2-1 home win over Tigre which was a big relegation clash Patronato also a big relegation clash this one beat Olimpo 1-0 in Paraná um, and Belgrano versus Huracan ended 1-0 to the Cordoba side all three of those games in fact yeah. are very much point sixes um, on Saturday Argentinos Juniors got a 3-2 win away to Banfield in what appears to have been a humdinger, although I didn't catch it, slightly annoyingly. Independiente's small collection of children, um, as we mentioned earlier in passing, beat Arsenal de Sarandí 2-1 in Sarandí. Those were the only two games in the Superliga on Saturday because of the Copa Argentina final being played in between them. And then on Sunday, Rosario Central got a 1-0 win in the Clásico over Newell's Old Boys, thanks to a very, very early headed goal from Germán Herrera, um, about two minutes in. Tacheres beat Colón in Santa Fe, 2-0. Racing got a resounding 3-1 victory over Gimnasia. Where have those performances been all year? We will find out from Dan in a second. Um, Boca Juniors made sure that they could end 2017 on top of the table, regardless of what happened on Monday or indeed what had happened earlier on in the weekend, with a 1-0 win away to Estudiantes. San Martín de San Juan 1, defensive Justicia 0, and Chacarita Juniors 3, Lanús 0, were the rather surprising, well, at least the second one was particularly surprising, okay. uh, results of the Monday evening games. Um, so, Dan, I mean, I, I, we should talk about Boca first because they're the league leaders, but let's, in fact, talk about Racing first, mm. since I just mentioned it. What happened there? They, they, they've clicked all of a sudden. Um, the short answer would be that I don't know if we covered it on the pod because I can't remember exactly when we recorded after the Clásico we have mentioned that Cocker's not the manager anymore you've mentioned that Cocker's not the manager anymore and sure indeed Diogo Coca resigned apparently devastated after losing the Avicenera derby to Independiente with a pretty weakened Independiente team hmm. about 12 hours afterwards, he was signing a contract to take over from Eduardo Cudet as the new Tijuana manager in Mexico. So, oh. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, you funny know, how life works out. Funny how life works out, you know. Uh, God closes the door and opens a window, I guess, for, for Diego Coca. Since then, um, Lagarto, Lizard Flaitas, has been in charge for the last two games of the year. Um, and he's done pretty well. Uh, who, who is he? For the benefit of non... Lagarto Fleita is, a, is an ex-Racing player. 
back in the age of, I think he was a contemporary of Ruben Cabria around that time right or, uh, or Tuco Garcia and Turco Garcia, Garcia so early 90s was saying yeah, I was going to say late 80s early 90s late 80s right, yeah. early 90s was around that time uh, he's been working in the club for, for some years now as as a youth team coach and he's held uh, several roles around um, around the Tita the, um, the academy let's say to anglicise this a little bit I don't know if you can call any uh, Argentine teams youth divisions really an academy but they well, have in youth theory divisions. if there was one Argentine club whose youth division you could call then it would be Racing because that is the club's nickname so well yeah <laughs> as, as a player as a player he was the I think he was the, the striker with more most bicycle kicks goals in the very possibly he got a very memorable one against Independiente right one of the things I've that I love about South America is that somebody's actually counted this up so they can go, yeah, this is the guy who's gone for. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, so that's our lizard. Uh, he took over with Racing in a fairly, I don't know if you'd say desperate because uh, since they're really comfortable in um, the average points and everything, mm. even if they have a very bad season this year in Superliga, it doesn't really matter and they're already in the Lovadores next year. But, but as we've said, sort of, and as you've said indeed a couple of times when you've been on, Directionless. Directionless, yeah. Exactly, yeah. With very little kind of identity, very little idea of what you're going to do when you get on the pitch. And obviously it's very early to say, but... And obviously now he's not going to take over another game because another coach is going to come in. He'll return to his role in the academy, the Academia Academy. Um, But... At least Racing ended the year on a high, let's say. They got a very uh, commendable 2 all draw away to Newell's. And then this game against Gimnasia, where they went down early to a free kick from Brian Aleman, Brian German. And hit back with the best performance I've seen from, yeah. from Racing for a while. Because the big problem with Cocker's team is if Racing managed to get a, a lead early and made the opposition chase the game, they were able to win. We saw that against Boca, probably the game that uh, most people remember, um, opened the scoreline and then went on to win 2-1. But when Racing had to chase the game and, and make things happen under Coca this season, it just didn't happen. It didn't happen against Libertad in the Suramericana, it didn't happen against Independiente. There's a couple of other examples as well. Since we have listeners who you know support all different teams and may or may not watch many other teams in their own matches, I have to say it's been a fairly similar sensu- um, sensation to watching River. Possibly, uh, yeah. Possibly. Most of the second half of the year. Yeah. But on the flight down, the team at least has seemed to work at it a bit more coherently. Um, definitely Lisandro Lopez is has received a bit of a boost since Coca left and he scored two goals um, on Sunday, I believe it was, yeah, uh, which were product of him getting in the area, which under yeah. Coca he almost didn't do. And do. Are you suggesting that he might have made the bed for Coca? No, I'm suggesting that under Coca he wasn't used, right, he was used um, almost as a midfielder, you saw him yeah. tracking back, you saw him messing around. Try to orchestrate the on, play. Uh, and on the really centre circle, yeah. No, no, no. The thing is that, uh, as, as happens most of the times, uh, when a coach leaves, the following match, the, the team wins. And is, you, you, uh, the, the feeling is that they could have done more before, but yes, we, you will never know. 
Yeah, but in Racing's case, it was it's a tactical question. The, the team just looks a lot more fluid. Um, this partnership between Lisandro and Lautaro Martinez worked really well. Well, that's the thing that I found odd, though, about how poorly Racing were performing under Cocker, because when you mention those two, there's mm-hmm. not many teams in the league that can no, post. Totally. Obviously, we had the problem that Martinez missed Martinez. three or four months. Yeah, no. Yeah, once, he came, once he came back, though, yeah. um, you just think, they sh- just even if the rest of the team aren't playing very well. No, totally. And the fact it. they didn't really is 100% down to the coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, what we saw against Gimnasia was Laudado kind of ceding to experience and playing you know, further away from the box and Lisandro playing as the most advanced centre forward. And it worked really well. Um, Laudado really... Because he made the second the cross for the header. Laudado yeah. opened up the game on the, on the first goal by with a beautiful crossfield ball that let in Zaracho and then the book and then Lisandro was uh, there at the far post to turn in and it was Laudado's cross yeah. that set up the second it was a beautiful cross as well a beautiful cross yeah, yeah. Um, for which reason in fact when Racing won the penalty in what the second or third minute of stoppage time uh, which Martinez won and, well. and, and Martinez, which Martinez won yeah. yes I, I, I didn't want to say it because I couldn't remember uh, but you're right yeah he was the one who was fouled um, for the for the penalty and he clearly you know by the look of it was was assuming that uh, Lopez was going to, to take yeah and Lisandro gave him the ball he said no you take it yeah. apparently Lisandro told him either before the game or at half time or something you're playing really well you're going to score at some point in this game so maybe he just wanted to make his own prediction come true well he'd been very unlucky he also had a lovely shot that, that oh, came yeah. out against the post and uh, yeah. Arias Yes, the mm. gymnastia keeper had, had stopped, stopped him before with a brilliant save. Um, and it was well-deserved. It was a man-of-the-match performance from Laudaro. I watch him a lot and I just can't be more infused with this kid. He's, he's so got, good. Yeah, he's so good. Six more months because I can't, I can't remember whether it was after or before the game, but I'm sure it was since we last recorded that it has been confirmed that he's signed a... a, a um, pre-contract with Atletico he's signed a pre-contract the clubs still need to um, uh, thrash something thrash out a deal yeah Um, hopefully they'll they'll hold out for a bit more money because you know it's always nice to have money I guess Uh, but Laudaro has confirmed he's not even thinking of leaving well he says it's going to be in the middle of the year and then he also says it's going to be he's going to stay for the Luadores obviously with the new format that doesn't really work unless Mm. he's banking on Racing going out early. <laughs> but I'm guessing as well if Racing get to a point where they're in the quarterfinals and going into September or whatever he'd think yeah let's stay three more months and you see said, what happens well he might but it might not be his choice if Atletico wants him for a pre-season we'll see you know Simeon is a Racing fan so maybe he'll say nah we'll leave him <laughs> in the Libertadores three months more let's see if he can go to the Club World Cup it's not going to do me anyhow but it's incredible how the, the last the Last players that went to Atletico de Madrid uh, from Argentina, of course, didn't, didn't do well. We could say uh, Angel Correa. Well, I know if Angel Correa is playing regularly, but Carnavito uh, um, is no more there. Vieto is the same way. He's not playing. He's regularly. not playing too much. Funny you should say that, Andres, because I was actually writing something on this today. There's one aspect of um, Martinez's game that for me sets him out definitely from Vieto who is another person who I saw a lot during his summer at Racing before leaving for Atletico Madrid and also Correa you see Martinez 
obviously all three of those players have brilliant talent they can score uh, what I see what sets Martinez apart a little bit is that he's got this strength and kind of uh, assuredness on the ball where defenders just can't get it off him you see the amount of times that um, that Martinez has fouled every game and it's basically because it's for one of another option no one can take the ball off him which bodes really well for European football because uh, you can say Argent- Argentine football is more physical in the sense you're more likely to get kicked to shit but at the same time European football is more physical uh, in terms of the defenders using their bulk basically just to shove you out of the way He's and that's that, been I don't know how Diego and Correa's problem Martinez doesn't how, have that problem I don't know how tall or otherwise he is actually I've never really paid attention to it. I don't think he's particularly small but he does seem to have the, the fabled low centre of gravity he's not no he's not sure he's 5 foot 10-ish and one of the best part of his games in the air he scores yeah. a hell of a yeah, lot of headers really. what he has got is kind of stocky shoulders and I have a theory that in this time he was away from the pitch He's been hitting the weights pretty hard because since he got back, he's looked he's looked a little tank. Well, his yeah. nickname's a little ball, which gives you some idea uh, of his playing style. Um, so that definitely buys well for him if he can if he can rough it with the best here. And obviously in La Liga, referees are fairly trigger happy when it comes to to giving fouls. They don't like too much physical contact in that league. If all goes well for him and he avoids any other injuries like this one, which was kind of a black mark on what would have been otherwise an absolutely fantastic breakout year for for Martinez because he really was brilliant all year. For the, uh, for the Argentina under-20s as well as for, for Argentina well. under-20s, yeah. I mean, he was scoring oh, more than a goal every other game yeah. in Argentina. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. So... It, I'd like to see him stay as long as he can in in Argentina beyond the Libertadores or at least until Racing beat Independiente 7-0 in the final next December <laughs> um, but we'll see um, I'm, I've got no doubt he's he's going to be a great player in Europe as well when the time comes as, as do we all um, the the main the, the most noteworthy game as I said already from the weekend was Boca's 1-0 win over Estudiantes which it must be said I, I never like saying that clubs are or that a team is, is lucky to win. And actually, <laughs> I think it would be harsh to say it after watching the whole game of Estudiantes Boca, but certainly at half-time, it was a bit difficult to understand how Boca was still level. Estudiantes had hit the woodwork twice, um, and Boca had offered very, very little indeed. And in the second half, it was a completely different match. Uh, Estudiantes still had the chances. They were galloping away on the counter-attack at times, but nowhere near as dangerous um, and Boca just suddenly I, I don't know what Guillermo Barrasekelotto said to them at half time but they were transformed and Wilmar Barrios goal um, when it came was in itself it was a slightly fortuitous goal it was a sort of scuffed shot that bounced through a crowd of people and went just inside the post um, but ultimately I think a, a just about deserved win away in inverted commas because it was in Quilmes to Estudiantes um, to ensure that Boca end 2017 at the top of the table and with the exception of a couple of days when San Lorenzo were ahead of them having played two matches more fairly recently uh, that means that Boca have now been at the top of the table in Argentina uninterrupted for a whole calendar year 
that would be slightly more impressive if they'd had to play 38 matches rather than just the 30 from last season because you know there are fewer games involved um, but even so it, it's a mark of, uh, of how far ahead of the pack they are the big question mark that's hanging over us since we're at the end of the year is when Boca next play in the Superliga they're also going to have to start juggling the squad with the Copa Libertadores in mind because of course they haven't been in continental competition this year is that going to affect the title running? Given, given that we now have a title that would be a real, a real test uh, because Boca Anaha, I think he, they have could, we could say that they have the best uh, squad and no one should say, could say that it's not true but and apart, apart from that playing only one tournament because they were eliminated by by whom? in the Copa Argentina? by Centenar Ah, para Rosario, sí, yes, para Rosario Central and uh, well, no, they didn't play Copa Libertadores or Sudamericana. Um, but uh, yes, uh, uh, and apart about the game itself against the Estudiantes, I think that since Darío Benedetto got injured, mm. I thought well they will have less chances. Mm. But no, it, the whole game changed for Boca as. The Juventus now you, you can see it when he's not in the in the, in the game that uh, he was a great game gen- play generator because uh, he he was uh, good with the ball and trying to make uh, associate with the with the midfielders and and, and I, th- I think he created more than only chances. Now you can yeah. see that because Boca even with Pablo Perez and, and with Marbario for I think the. One of uh, two of the best dif- uh, midfielders in, in Argentine football. That is not the same without Benedetto and with, with with him. Not only because of the goals, of course. No, exactly. But it's, it's surprising. Well. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's surprising what a difference two players can make to a team who were, you know, pretty comfortable winners of the the league title last season. Um, Boca, of course, are going to have to strengthen and they're going to have to add some numbers to their squad. They've already got um, one. And yes, Ramon yes. Avila. One chop. Um, Not a bad replacement. Joined. I was a little bit confused because uh, when he was unveiled the other day, or when he turned up at the training session, the, the papers were saying oh, it's his first day as official Boca player. And I was like, wasn't he on loan from a account from Boca for the, the, this sort of the last four or five months? Yeah, but I think he went on loan right Castle. after yeah. like, the part of the purchase agreement was that he went straight out on loan. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So they okay, never they actually set foot in Boca. Yeah. And obviously like I assume that the loan was supposed to be until the end of the season and they have curtailed the loan because of the fact that Benedetto and Bull are both in. No, I think it was always that. It was until Oh, uh, really? It was yeah. always going to come out it was, now? It was always uh, just the end of this calendar year and then... Oh, that's, that's worked out very nicely for them in that yeah, case because yeah. uh, he should be, you know, one would think, a little bit less able... Um, to do the kind of thing that Andres was just describing with, where Benedetto's dropping off and, and helping to build the play although not that Avila's a one-dimensional striker but he's a little more direct and a little more bullish if, if we can go back to your description of Martinez and, and Martinez's nickname um, I think that he potentially yeah. with, with a, a, a lot of service could score could, a yeah. lot he could fill his boots yeah for, for Boca, I mean, I remember during his first spell at Huracan, I sort of made the point a couple of times that it, you never quite knew which side of bed he, was out, he got out of and, until the match was about 10 minutes old. And then you could sort of go, yeah, he, he's either going to score four goals in this game or he's going to be completely unable to hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Um, and, you know, I think that he's, he seems to have calmed down a little bit and to just be a little more in the zone on a more regular basis for whatever reason lately. 
Um, and so, yeah, I suspect that, that uh, Boca have got themselves a very reliable centre-forward and that, therefore, they're going to be concentrating their main transfer resources on someone else. Having said that, they're still going to need to come up and to bring in a backup, at least for the Libertadores group stages, because they're going to have to, as I say, do a lot of squad rotation. Tevez, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> For me, the thing is that they've been talking a lot about this in the last couple of weeks, and the, I read last something last couple of weeks, yeah, you know, particularly the last couple of weeks with, with the injuries and stuff. Um, and there was something Ankelisi was saying yesterday that uh, Tevez is, is contracted, and that it depends on what. They do. And I'm just sort of wondering whether this means that there's that Boca themselves are starting to row back a little bit when they're, they're going right. Yeah, Shanghai are actually going to want tens of millions of dollars yeah. off us for this <laughs> in, sp- in spite of the fact that Thomas apparently has scored I think it's two or three goals all season barely played and yeah just been settled I think we have a question about this so maybe we should save it for one person who definitely won't be coming back is um, Dan's old Looks- Dan's old mate Ricky Ah, Santoriano, he's playing the switches. Looks like Chinese What's people realise that Tevez when, when they are only because of the money. Yeah, who, who could possibly oh, have thought shit. that? Um, what's happened with Ricky Alvarez? Centurion. Centurion. Ah. Centurion, sorry. Um, I don't know why, but I won't wait for it. The EC came out and said they don't want him, and then he put a long. Then Ricky went out with a long diatribe on Twitter saying he never wanted to go back he's really happy in Genoa where I don't know if he's played a I game think he's just it. started playing he's just started playing yeah. uh, that he wouldn't set foot in Boca again basically if Angelisi's there and, yeah. no because they're not paying him 10 million dollars a week or whatever he's getting in um, and, yeah. I don't know I think he can't it looks like he said um, Angelisi hmm? and that's how the Chinese Super League's bringing in all these players by being loaded I'm talking about Genoa the oh, Genoa. Team, yeah. oh, I thought you meant Genoa. Like, Shanghai, Genoa, the same team. <laughs> 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 looks a bit unstable, right? He said that he will retire after after leaving Boca. Now he says he's happy yeah. at Genoa. Yeah. Uh, this has been an awfully embarrassing couple of minutes, so I'm going to delete this from the podcast when it goes up. Um, <laughs> and we are, we're, we're going to go straight. Well known Genoa forward Rick indeed. Um, and we're going to go Shame straight on to the, the most, really, uh, notable match of the weekend, because it's the Classico, which we did a very, very poor job between us, Andres and I, last week of previewing, because we left it right till the end and forgot about it, and then went, oh yeah, that, that should be entertaining, and then ended the podcast. Um, Central got a very deserved, I thought, 1-0 win in what was probably the least entertaining Classico Rosarino that I can remember seeing in about the last two or three years. Because they've yeah, seen that good fairly the high octane, and, no, but they've been entertaining and sort of. Yeah. It, it's been there's been a lot on the line, and this one just seemed a bit like neither side could fully be bothered with it. I think the, the only entertaining part really was Brian Sarmiento going on the pitch before the game in sunglasses and mm. giving and all that to the and the, and the biggest Brazil. flag in the world. Yeah, and then proceeding yeah, to have a really flags. awful game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which he's now got shit for in the yeah. streets, hasn't he? Well, yeah. <laughs> Of course, so it is, because it's part of the fact that the fans loved him a so few days ago. It's another coach that it, it, it was looked uh, as an mm. interim manager or coach, and now it's like yeah. after winning, of course. Uh, Leonardo Fernandez of Central has, has been confirmed as Central's new permanent manager. Mm. So I think, I think it was his third Spurs caretaker boss. Certainly his second, at least. He took over between Caldet and whoever came after Caldet, I forgot. Um, it's worth bearing in mind that they haven't uh, won yeah. a game this season under Montero and they've mm. now won three 1-0 one 
on the trot, yeah. which Completely is a classical win. It's like pretty yeah. good going. Which, which is really good, given that at the beginning of the season we were talking, or I was talking about how uh, promising Paolo Montero's managerial career was. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> likewise, I'll freely admit that he had done very well at everywhere he'd gone, which is why he only seemed to be six months somewhere and then slightly yeah. bigger club were like oh yeah we'll take him and he stepped up and then suddenly went to Central and, and it all fell it to pieces um, but yeah well done Central fans yeah, another Sorry, funny Luis if you're listening but. another funny quote about the the, the classical Rosalino is that uh, Leop saying that when he defeated River or when you defeated River he was Guardiola <coughs> and now he's like a cartonero mm. it's a man that uh, takes like a, well Carton, I don't know how to say it. Cardboard. Uh, uh, in cardboard in the streets. So <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, these guys who go around Buenos Aires looking for recyclables and stuff in the bins, basically, and then sell them on to um, people who can recycle them. I, I'm translating the concept yes. as well as just the word because it doesn't really make any sense at all to, to certainly yes. British listeners. I'm guessing to US ones either. Um, other than that, particularly noteworthy games in the Super League of the weekend just gone. We've mentioned the scorelines already of the ones on Friday. It's more the relegation passage. And, and I didn't see any of those games, so let's just go straight on to the, the tables, I think, really, because we've been recording for a while anyway, and we, we've got the questions to get through. The end of the year Superliga table, with 12 games of 27 played, is as follows. Boca Juniors have 30 points, San Lorenzo have 27 points. Union have 22 points, there's quite a big drop there. Tacheres 21 and Huracan 21 and Independiente 21. Those three sides are only separated on goal difference from 4th to 6th. In 7th and 8th are Colón and San Martín, respectively with 20. Belgrano are in 9th also with 20 points. Defensa Justicia 10th with 18 points. I'm not going to read the entire table, going all the way down. should say though that, wouldn't it? El Rojo have got a game in hand on... Yes. Oh, of course they have, yeah. Oh, that so they can go third of it. That was another amusing thing um, that, that I hadn't realised. I, I had thought that um, Independiente had the right to delay you know, both of their matches because they delayed the central game from round 11. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, OK, I mean, I've not seen that happen before, but presumably because of being in the Continental Cup and the AFA have this rule saying you can delay the match if you're in the Continental Cup and everybody always decides to delay the match that falls in between the two legs. And so I thought, okay, well, presumably they're going to have two matches delayed. I didn't know you could do this, but they appear to be doing it. Um, which is why I was so confused when Arsenal Independiente actually got played at the weekend. And it turned out that they had decided that Central <laughs> were the team who they had less of a chance of beating with the, with the reserves. As it happens, you know, justifiably, because yeah. the reserves beat Arsenal 2-1. It took a stoppage time goal. Yeah. It, was, it was a pretty entertaining game, actually. Um, but, um, you know, that was fine. But... It made one of Central's players, and I can't remember who San now. Pedri. Thank you, yes, Fernando San Pedro, look very silly indeed, because in round 10, he had got himself deliberately booked, his fifth booking of the season, so that he would miss the Independiente game, and therefore know that he was going to be completely safe to play in the Clásico Rosarino. And then Independiente asked for, the, for that game to be uh, postponed, so San Pedro ended up suspended for the Clásico Rosarino, which I thought was um, no more than he deserved, basically, because I think that when players do that deliberately to... I, I, can, I, I can see the logic behind it, don't get me wrong. I just think it's a bit cynical, a bit like, yes, it serves you right for that. Uh, so thank you for the reminder, Peter. Um, Independiente do indeed have a game in hand. So if they win that, then they will go to 24 points and therefore would go into third, in fact. Um, six points behind Boca and three behind second place. And still, in, in the second half, they haven't, they haven't played um, Boca or San Lorenzo yet. Indeed, yes. So 
And the relegation table is looking about as thrilling as it ever has. Chacarita are bottom and are definitely going down. They've got nine points from 12 matches. Well, I say definitely, I don't mean mathematically. After their 3-0 win over Lanús. I didn't see that game. Did any of you see that game? I saw parts of it. Lanús, I I watched parts of that, but it was clearly Lanús. Lanús 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 were absolutely awful. But it was clear, it was a, I, I, I understand that because they, they, they were with their heads still with Gremio final. Although it was uh, Kelly's first game in charge, wasn't it? Yes, it was. So you would have thought that he would have at least wanted to. Uh... Yeah, yeah, the Ezequiel uh, Kelly Esquilotto, the, the man with the best nickname in um, football and indeed nickname. Carboni. Kelly. Thank no, you, yes. Yeah. Carabas. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. <laughs> the Italian, well, the, the Argentine looking place for Italy, isn't he? Um, yeah, he, he has now been officially unveiled as Lanus manager. Um, Chacarita, anyway, are still bottom and still definitely going down, regardless of that shock. Wait. Arsenal is surely in now as well. Arsenal, I, I think, are down as well. 86 points from 88 games. Tempele and so Olympia. 18 points TTs. shy of Vélez. Well... Yeah, yes. but Vélez... Um, Temple are on a bit of a run, though. That doesn't matter, <laughs> does it, really? Olimpo are only eight points. I mean, Temple are... What is that, 95 to 104? So that's nine. It's the bottom so four that goes Arsenal down. Are, Arsenal yeah. are doing, yes, the bottom four are going Yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal are doing. Yeah, they got Temple and Olimpo could come back into it. Temple in particular, because they're actually winning points this year. They've got 12. Olimpo just lost nine. At, uh, to Patronato in there the weekend, which is a yeah. damn, really damaging one. And this is the biggest problem for the, the teams in the relegation zone right now, is that Vélez have got 14 points this season and Patronato have got 15. So neither of them are looking particularly good, but neither of them are looking bad enough mm. to be, you know, they'd have to be winning significantly fewer points than the teams below them. And as it is, they're just about managing to win more. Tigre, on the other hand, are in some danger. They've only got eight points this season, but over the whole course of the uh, table, as it stands, they've got 105. So it's sort of difficult to see three teams clawing their way above Tigre to Although, them down into I the I thought it was an interesting appointment that Caruso's gone from Tigre. And they, yeah. He'd already agreed like some weeks ago that it was oh. finished the end of the year and go. This shows you how much attention I'm paying at the end of the but year. They, um, there's just so many teams. They've already appointed Lobo Ledesma as his first managerial job. Well, there you go. This, this could go one of two ways. That's what I think. It's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a, <laughs> bit of a gamble to say. Come in I love that yeah. insight, sir. This could go one of two ways. Either he does well or badly. Yeah, well, exactly. And they're also it on, sounds trite, but... <laughs> on the same could, subject, though, For, for well, a team yeah. in that position, it's a, it's a brave move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my point. And Vélez unveiled... Uh, Gabriel Haynes, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes, I so. think it's just finally happened with Tigre, right? There. They've run out of crap... Mediocre coaches after doing the whole round of the entire country, Caruso and now they've it. just got <laughs> Caruso yeah. in the pinnacle. Caruso <laughs> came as the pinnacle, and now <laughs> they've just got no choice but to find it's like Alfaro I've already had him, Trolia oh, had him, Caruso ah, yeah, he's been there like four times. All right, let it, man. yeah, sure. And then someone said, Who's recently retired yeah. who's looking to go into that? Exactly. <laughs> there really wasn't would it be much option, would it be hoping for too much? To hope that this might be the end of Ricardo Caruso Lombardi's no. time in the Primera. He's inevitably, especially with, much with, with this many yeah, yeah. fucking teams. Until it, gets teams. Da- until it gets back to a reasonable amount, yeah. someone yeah. at some point in the second half of a season yes. will say, 
We need some help. Yeah. He will probably be there, Arsenal coach, and, and, and we'll save them. Yeah, yeah no, I wouldn't be surprised to see from that. the Yeah, because we've got another one to say. He's he's another walk away this week. I mean, if that's going to happen, so, I'd settle this year for the summer break. Last year for Arsenal, and I'd be more than happy. I think they'll definitely go. Fingers crossed. I thought that last year, and somehow they wound out. I was gutted. But they've got five points. Five points. It's awful. But yeah, he, he's capable of calling players from the Primera Metropolitana and make Arsenal be safe from the relegation. Oh, he's capable he, of calling players up from the Primera Day. He, called, he holds he, those like, open we, days, we know, he, right? I know Primero, Come along and have a trial and we'll see if you... From him calling him uh, to play for Argentina Juniors when he was the coach of Argentina Juniors and he was before... At, I don't know if uh, which team of Primera B or Metropolitana or... Uh, So he, he, he specializes on uh, that, that uh, stuff, I think. On the subject, sorry, just on the subject, Caruso, I know if we can jump into um, unsubstantiated taxi driver gossip, I know one player in uh, Primera who wouldn't be very upset to see the back of Caruso. May I speak? Yes, you may. <laughs> uh, there's a kid who was at Tigre and now at Belgrano, uh, Eric Godoy, actually. Uh, the other day, I took a taxi with a childhood friend of Eric Godoy, mm-hmm. and he said... He, he claimed. <laughs> he claimed, but it's kind of a funny one to make up with. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> It's not the first person you'd think of if you were trying to, you know... Impress a Make a link, yeah. <laughs> but he didn't know I was foreign or a football journalist, but he was just, you know, sharing his story. Eric Godoy, um, this will all shock you, I'm sure. Uh, the taxi driver said that Godoy was forced out of Tigre because he wasn't prepared to pay Caruso for a first team place. Oh, That's but he why was, he dropped yeah, out of the side. No, I mean, I remember that being reported. No, no, it's nothing new, but apparently he's still up to his and, old tricks. And in fact, I remember um, coming on to the, the Hand of Pod um, recording that we had shortly after that happened and, and informing listeners that one of my friends, who at the time, she's no longer um, the... Uh, I can't remember which player it was, whether it was Godoy or a different one, but um, at the time she was uh, the secretary to the player's agent and she was the one who picked up the phone to Caruso Lombardi and taken the call with him saying, I want money if I'm going to pay your player. Um, There you see, go. no names are being mentioned here. Yeah, Godoy is actually but, playing very well with Belgrano, one of the best yeah, defences yeah, in the league. So he yeah. might just have the last laugh, Alan Barcrystal. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Although, on, and just finally, on the subject of managers, it should point out that all of those changes at the bottom now takes the tally up to after I was 12 ask games. You, how many? 14. 14, so that's so half the team. Half yeah, the league. Precisely half of the league. <laughs> and, and I'm sure that'll be more by the time the first week of the result. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it'll probably be a couple more. We'll see if, if Orlando doesn't. Once what's Orlando? Exactly, yeah. He could potentially the, could the, walk away. If, if Gasciardo yeah. hadn't already decided to stay River, then that would be it. Uh, goal scorers Dario Benedetto has eight goals he's not going to be adding to those Nicolas Fernandez at Defensa Justicia is the second top scorer with seven where'd he come um, from? exactly he's coming under the radar but it's another resounding um, endorsement of how Defensa Justicia play we were talking about it on Twitter last night we mentioned it in passing regarding Independiente and Ariel Olan and subsequently Sebastián Bequecese or Bequecheche um, uh, earlier on on this episode and I can't remember who the manager is now but they're continuing to play yeah. the same well done Thank you. Uh, no, and the thing that's great about it as well is the amount of young players that impress there. Yeah. Because he's only 21, isn't he, Fernandez? Mm. I think. Something like that, yeah, and 21. Over 20. the last, how many players are either on loan from 
one of the grandes or wherever, but have come through and really impressed in a six-month stint at defence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Sebastian Rivas, Nicolas Blandi and Franco Soldano of Patronato, San Lorenzo and Union, respectively, all have six points. I won't go all the way down the table. We will now play a little bit more music and we will come back in a minute and we will start answering all of your lovely listeners' questions for the final time this year. We have had, I've worked out now how to do the uh, Facebook page, um, but we haven't had any questions. <laughs> but we know how to do it now. So if to, you want to do questions, what's going on here? I'm just going to refresh the page because it's been doing, the, noti the, the notifications inbox has been doing this all, all right. year, all, all, all day, I should say. Uh, no, we don't appear to have had anything on the Hunter Pod Facebook page. But Did remember, you not post that we were going to record and ask for questions? Yeah, yeah. Huh. No one commented. But do remember, yes. listeners, that if you want to get your fix of Hand of Pod during the long summer months that are ahead, or even the long winter months that are ahead for most of you, um, you can go to facebook.com slash handofpod and click like, and I very much doubt we'll be posting anything on there for the next month and a half, but we'll see. Maybe I will do. Maybe I'll get generous and give you a Facebook Live at some point or something. Who knows? Um, anything to try to draw in future Patreon uh, people. Again. I'm planning on doing that next year, so please let me know if you're willing to. Um, anyway, from Twitter, we have had the following. Yusuf Amin, as ever, has sent us a few. He says, who are your respective favourite players of all time who've played in Argentina for a considerable period of time? Uh, That's quite a question. I've got two answers. Go on. One from Racing and one without. Uh, you could have started, though. From Racing, I imagine this is going to be a fairly predictable answer. Milito. It was just a pleasure to watch for the two years or so when he came back. That is a considerable period. That, is defi that definitely counts as a considerable period. Yeah, sure. uh, away from Boca, uh, watching Raquelme, even, no, I'd say I watched him in 2009, 2010, so he was pretty, pretty decent as well. Watching Raquelme, even if he was fucking racing up as he tended to do were, was a pleasure Andres let's go around anti-clockwise well from River Francesco Lee and uh, out of River uh, Bocini of course you've got a longer memory of these things than, than we all have I was forgetting yeah yes. uh, that's um, your, your, your picks are probably oh. going to win this oh sorry uh, you are. Peter uh, yeah like I mean Raquel May is the obvious one I guess for the non uh, I mean Independiente for, we're talking about a long period of time since 2011, it's not really a vintage, vintage era, so... Probably from that time, probably like Manquesha at that period before he left, just being someone who identified with supporters and gave, yeah. a, <coughs> gave a small glimmer of hope before he left. <laughs> but let's hope this team is the, is the future. For me, I will say that one of, even though I'm a River sympathiser, I suspect that one of the... Uh, things if I ever have grandchildren which is looking quite unlikely at the moment since I don't have any children 
But um, <laughs> if it ever does happen, then, then one of the players that I tell them about is going to be that I, I saw Riquelme um, set up one goal, I think it was, for Martin Palermo in La Bombonera against San Lorenzo, the game that um, they haven't played together for something like eight months or whatever, and then they jumped into each other's arms when all the headlines were about them hating each other's guts. Um, and yeah, I mean, Riquelme um, would be one. And then for River, in my time following Argentine football, I'm going to cheat a little bit and go back to before I actually moved here um, and say that Radamel Falcao Garcia was one player who I remember having a friend who um, follows Portuguese football. He was living in Portugal at the time where he, um, and he follows Portuguese football very closely. And when Porto signed uh, Falcao, he said, what, so what's this guy like? And I said, one day before too much longer, he's, he's going to be one of the top centre forwards in the world uh, from having you know seen a load of River games in, on internet streams when that wasn't an easy thing to do. Um, and the satisfaction of that actually happening, however briefly, <laughs> because then he started to get injured all the fucking time, um, was very uh, satisfying. Um, so I would go for those two personally. Yusuf also says, I'm planning to do an article on this. Do you think the lack of time given to managers... Uh, See Peter's... See Peter's stats... Yeah, uh, brackets in the room. Oh, sorry, yeah, about yeah. what you were saying about the 14 uh, uh, changes, I guess. Is holding back the tactical development of the country? No. no. I think it is. Because no, bizarrely, Argentina is, is starting to produce a lot of managers now. Well, yes. in fact, we, this is a theme that we've been touching on since probably about a year and a half or two years into having yeah, a couple of years ago, right? Um, when, uh, when we started, I remember Australian, one of Australian Dan's um, pet moans was was that the same clubs went for the same managers all the time just like we were suggesting they always went for Ricardo Caruso Lombardi a few minutes ago but since then um, there's been this sort of new generation of Argentine managers coming through so bizarrely no although I can see why mm. you might think that it would do no I mean if you're going to point to lack of time given you've got to take into account obviously teams at the bottom of the pile are going to change their managers a lot this mm. happens everywhere in the world but you look at Boca, who have had the same coach for, what's it, more than two years now? Barasca yeah, Pilotto came right in 2015. Yeah. Uh, River have had the same coach for almost three years now. Uh, no, almost four years. It's almost three and a half, yeah, because yeah. he joined in three and a half, almost four, midway through 2014. Didn't yeah, it? when Diaz left. left yeah. Um, Independiente have had the same coach for an entire year, which is quite good going. Considering it's independiente in recent history, um, Racing obviously uh, are now looking for a new coach. But Coca is a guy who was there for almost two years and then came back for an entire year. At the top, it's not been that much of a problem. If you're looking at the biggest clubs, the guys who are, are playing yeah. there, the the it's the been thing. worse in in other years. Now, it seems like there is a little bit of stability and. You can see that in how well Boca have been playing and how well River have been playing in, in international tournaments. It's kind of the opposite of what Yusuf's saying, to be honest. I think the other thing as well is that even though the, that first six months is very hazardous, mm -hmm. managers don't seem to be out of work very long. So oh. even younger managers who don't have much experience, once they get that first job and they're on the ladder... If they lose the job, I mean, look at um, Lucas Bernardi, for example. <laughs> He's had about four jobs within the space. They got on the treadmill, yeah. Once he got his first job yeah. at Newell's, 
didn't last very long and then he was out one into another one straight away into another one and Gabriel Hainsa has been sitting without John for six months since leaving Alcantinos but that was his own choice yeah yeah exactly as soon as he left he was more or less given offers from various places and it's like they rack up the experience and one good run with a team once you do have a good six months and make that into a year could potentially see you make the jump across although we said they rack up experience we heard earlier today that um, Las Palmas Mm. are not able to name Jorge Almiron <coughs> pardon me as, as their new manager no. because the RFEF the, the Royal Spanish Football Federation um, even in England we don't call it the Royal Football Association but the Spaniards do anyway um, have announced that um, that Almiron has not been in charge of top flight football teams this is the crucial thing for long enough I think he's spent three years or just under three years as a manager of a top flight team but a couple of his teams in Mexico were in the second division at the time so he's not quite spent enough time and as a result the the Libertadores final the, the second league title in Lanús history and all the rest of it it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter what you've won it's, it's just awful. time completed so Ricardo Caruso Lombardi could walk in and be named as manager of Las Palmas tomorrow mm-hmm. um, but Jorge Almiron well, Gary Neville. Well, Las Palmas are in a relegation fight. Why aren't they? Right. How did that happen then? I'm assuming he didn't link the dots because he has European coaching European badges. Coaching badges. Oh, right, right, ones yes. are apparently easier to get. But of course. I'm saying if um, if Las Palmas need someone to get him out of a relegation fight, Caruso Lombardi is the man. <laughs> We're just saying he's gone to every club in Argentina. It's time for him to branch out. Can you imagine? Caruso Lombardi in Spain would be amazing. Be amazing. in Europe yeah. be like yeah. Torrente oh, I, I read that <laughs> he had please, been, please happen he had been working for four years but well uh, it might four not have been I think it's four between years three and four years yeah. but yeah, it was too short but but at least one one of those years yeah. was spent in the Mexican second division and it has to be a top flight team I think more than that because he's been coach for about nine years now yeah. it's been quite a while but, but he's been assistant manager a lot of times and stuff as well but the weird thing is they noticed about this now mm. when they were about to sign the contract. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. I mean, you wonder about the club who were well, doing it. Well, it's kind of dreadfully run, first though, time by all accounts. The funny thing about this is that um, when Zidane takes over as as a Castilla man coach mm. after being Ancelotti's assistant at Madrid. But again, he's got a European passport and European badges. Wait, wait, wait. When he first took over at Castilla, uh, he wasn't actually named as the Castilla coach he needed someone like Carlos Fren if mm-hmm. you remember took over at Deportivo Mandichu yes, and I think because yeah. Maradona didn't have the right badges uh-huh. Zidane had his own Fren uh, okay. because he didn't have the, the right qualifications and so he was a, a coach in all but name wow I just think to some and extent now he's a double Champions League yeah. so to some extent he, surely it should be if the club well if you want to hire him we don't think he's qualified, but it's your call. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's like, well, if, he, if it's, it's a disaster, it's like, it's like, well... I don't know, protectionism, protecting Spanish yeah, coaches, I don't know. Like, anyway. I'm not sure. And also on managers, I saw that, I'm quickly turning over managers, I saw Coudet, maybe, at Racing. Yeah, after being fired by Tijuana, we were going to take a nice yeah. little swap. My girlfriend is keeping her fingers crossed for that one, she's a big fan of Coudet. I'm a big fan she, of Coudet. She likes so. his sort of square 
head. It's a gloriously square It's a good appointment for fans of scarves as well. It is. I think he'd be wearing, if there was a game this weekend, he'd be wearing a scarf probably. Yeah, come February, mid-February. Thanks God he doesn't like his voice. It'll be gone. For, for the benefit of listeners who are in the Northern Hemisphere, it's currently about 35 degrees as we're recording, so that's Celsius, Americans. Um, Yusuf Amin has one more question. It is, he says, finally, a hard one. I mean, he says it's a hard one. I, I don't think it is, as the actress said to the bishop. Um, he says, do you think that Brazilian clubs are more developed than their Argentine counterparts? And if so, what can the Superliga do to close that gap? I think the answer is no. I don't they're, think so. They're no. richer. Money, that's yeah. not the same thing. Got more money there. Pretty dreadfully run. I, th- I think that they are about as sensibly run with regard to, say, managerial longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, or worse. I'd say worse, to be honest. You know, it's all the same continent. It's all very much the with same the money culture involved, to an extent. They should be miles ahead. Yeah, absolutely. They should miles be ahead. absolutely yeah. cleaning yeah. up every continental The, the, the Brazilian economy is much stronger than any other economy in South America. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the, the money they can afford on players is just... They have, also, they have companies that uh, I think that they have to do with the bullets, uh, the, bullet, the, the budget of the, of the, of the clubs. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they are richer and they con- will continue be, being richer. As I heard that Vinicius, the yeah. Flamengo striker or midfielder, uh, yeah. is, has already been sold for so this, million. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was um, Vinicius Junior who was sent on as like, about the last 15, 20 minutes on Wednesday night in the Sudamericana uh, final, um, has been already signed by Real Madrid, as Andres says, for 45 million. That's not pesos, it's not reais, it's euros by Real Madrid. He's going to join Real Madrid in the middle of next year, and then he will be loaned back to Flamengo, for the duration of the Spanish 2018-19 season. So in other words, for the second half of the Brazilian Championship next year and the first half of the 2019 Championship. Um, it's a hell of a long-term which, gamble for someone who's not going to play in your club for another I mean, it two is. years. It's also, I, was, I was just thinking this earlier because somebody sort of asked me about Barco. Compared with what Atlanta United are reported to pay for Barco, yeah, yeah. which is $14 million, and, and compared with, I mean, by the look of it, as we've already said, Barco's deal is going to be confirmed uh, later tonight or tomorrow on, on Thursday when this podcast goes online um, but compared with what a European club could come in and zump that offer at if they'd wanted to for the last sort of week mm. or so um, it's an astonishing amount of money for a player who frankly and I've only seen him in his two substitute appearances in the Sudamericana final he's but he was a, an unused you know a substitute who came off the last 15-20 minutes and didn't do an awful lot whereas Barco ran the show in the second yeah, leg and was yeah. perfectly good in the first leg and has been for Independiente throughout the, the second half of this year. Yeah, um, consistently for about a year as a starter, yeah. whereas... But, again, Brazilian, to get into the team. But Brazilian clubs are much richer and yeah. this means they can demand a higher price for the clubs. Indeed. Um, so the or, short, or, or, the or not just Barco as well, but the other person we talked about is, is Lautaro. Lautaro Martinez is for about 12, 14 million euros, which yeah, for a player that quality is... It's amazing. It's it's compared with what Atletico Madrid could afford to pay for that player if they wanted to. Yeah. So the answer is, more developed Brazilian clubs than Argentines? No. And what can the Superliga do to close the gap? Well, not an awful lot because the difference is largely in finances and that has to do with the economy of the country. So that's not going to change. And no. Brazil is a country with five times the number of people Argentina have got. So it, you know, even if Argentina suddenly becomes the most politically open and, and, and politically honest and, and happiest to invest in country in the world, which as we've been seeing on the news today, as I already mentioned, probably isn't going to happen anytime soon. Anytime soon, no. Or indeed in the next century. 
even if that were to happen, they would still have an absolutely massive job on their hands to catch up with the Brazilian economy, given that Brazil has the simple advantage of people. Dan's asking for a timeout. Dan's going to go to the time. We should Thank carry you. on. Because uh, I can't be bothered to cut this bit. Because it's too much editing later. Uh, Darren Paul says, Do you think that Boca Unidos have a hope of staying up in Primera B Nacional? They're in desperate need of wins and I can't see where they're going to get them. As I'm on the bay, what is wrong with Ferro, the most entertaining side last season? Can't seem to string two passes together now. Darren, you're expecting one team, especially in the lower divisions in Argentina, um, to be consistent from one season to the next. I don't know why you're expecting this. You're going to want the moon on a stick next. Um, as for do we expect Boca Unidos to stay up, can, can anybody provide a better answer than I haven't a clue? Well, from the result, I haven't watched them more than sort of the highlights that you'd see on the sports channels. So I haven't sat and watched their matches, but from what I gather, no. I'm just trying to bring up the Primera B Nacional relegation table right now. Uh, it looks like. Oh, that. Mm-hmm. On the face of it, they're not doing that badly. How many teams go down from Primera B Nacional this season? Do we know? Two? Four? Should be two, I think. I, I think. I don't... Need to look this up as well. From Nacional B to Primera B, you mean? Yes. Well, from... No, it would be uh, Federal A, wouldn't it? The Boca Unidos. Uh, sorry, yes. Um, let's have a look. Hang on. Posiciones. Here we are. Uh, oh, they have just uh, appointed a new manager, Carlos Machor, whose name I recognise for some reason. Um, is the new manager of Boca Unidos that's been announced just now and there are going to be was he one of Tempoli's oh good grief there are one, two, three six teams going down from um, (laughs) the Bay Nacional this season and they're very much in the relegation zone at the moment (laughs) yes Um, so Flandria bottom Quilmes Quilmes are in the relegation zone wow having gone down in the middle of last year from the Primera Quilmes and Sarmiento are both in the Bay Nacional relegation zone at present Deportivo Riestra, who were just promoted in the middle of last year, were also there. Boca Unidos and Deportivo Moron, who were also promoted, um, are the others. I I would agree with you there, it doesn't look great, particularly given that there are three teams in the B Nacional who have failed to reach double figures in points so far this season. One of Flandria, one of Ferro, who for the moment are okay, but as um, Darren mentioned in the second part of his question, are also doing quite poorly and the other are Boca Unidos. So the way that they're going, it doesn't look good at all. Did Riestra have points taken off at the end? For yeah, they yeah, did. They started on about They've got seven points. Um, Didn't uh, they start on something ludicrous at minus They 20? did. In fact, yeah. So they, they have got... <laughs> let me look up the, um, the league table as a whole. Riestra have... Yeah, played yeah, 11, won. won 3 and draw 4. So what does that give them? 13 points. Mm-hmm. And they're still on minus 7. Yeah, so you're 20, right, yeah. minus 20. Very well remembered, Peter. So why aren't um, they at the bottom of the, the average points table? Why aren't they? Yeah. They are. Oh, they are. I was, oh, I was looking at... I don't know what I was looking at. No, nor do I. Yeah, uh, but so anyway, the, the minus, minus zero point six three six. The short sorry. answer, Darren, is that yes, maybe they do. Maybe Carlos Machado turns out to be an incredible manager at Primera B Nacional level. Um, but I rather doubt that they're going to manage it, given the number of sides that are going down. And Ferro, it, it's standard. Uh, 
inconsistency from one season to the next in the Argentine lower divisions. Yes. We then have a bit of a Twitter exchange between us lot before recording on our mentions, which doesn't help very much. 66 Estrellas, the Boca fan, says, after the incidents in the Libertadores and Sudamericana finals between the fans, what do you think about having only one match in a neutral venue, as in, like in UEFA's tournaments? I think it might take away some of the epic feeling, for example, being able to play the second leg at home. Dan and I were, I mean, I was playing devil's advocate to a large extent because I actually agreed with Dan's basic point, but we were having a bit of a discussion on this last night, was it? Or yeah, last, last night, night during the um, So, the Dan, fun. you want to... Basically, I just I think it's a bad idea for well, for several reasons. Let's talk um, pragmatically first. Uh, South Americans, South America's economy and its inhabitants. Uh, equi- what's the word? Acquisitive power or yeah, spending power is nothing like what you have in Europe. So, for the vast majority of fans, putting um, a one-legged final in a neutral venue will exclude them from the, um, from the spectacle because on top of the ticket which would obviously be extremely expensive because you'd have uh, half the availability for each team plus all the hangers-on and commonable mandarins and parasites local barabras local barabras which you'd have to make sure got there Exactly. Um, you end up just pricing out any average fan, be they from Buenos Aires, from Rio, from Medellin, from Quito, from Santiago, wherever. Uh, there's just no proper way to do it, and you'd lose pretty much all the atmosphere that one associates with um, with a Copa Libertadores or Copa Sudamericana final. Obviously, as Sam said rightly last night, you get rid of some of the more unsavoury part like breaking flag- team buses breaking team buses turning no, up outside the, outside the team hotel and being beaten up by the police as happened last but night but it's not really that much of an improvement because you still have that in the last 16 mm. group stage quarterfinal and semi-final I think the problem you need to kind of get into fans heads that bricking another team's bus isn't really the dumb thing that would probably be an easier way than getting rid of the two-legged final. Um, more than anything, it's this. Um, going to a uh, one-legged final on, on neutral territory would rob the vast majority of fans of what is, for most of them, a dream scenario. Seeing their team play a continental final in their backyard. Imagine uh, most Lanús fans, for example, who packed the stadium, made a brilliant atmosphere to take on Gremio they might have lost but if that game had taken place I don't know in Bogotá or, or in Santiago Chile they how many would have would have been able to travel on a weekday it just it just can't happen so uh, luckily this is not going to happen next year I think Comunibol have already confirmed that they'll be keeping the two-legged finals for both competitions in 2018 but I hope that beyond that as well they don't succumb to this pressure because it would be a massive shot in the foot unless Andres or Peter have got anything to add no I, mean, no. I think for me it's, it's one of the things that makes the Libertadores for example what it is yeah. I mean, it's kind yeah. of that final obstacle isn't it if you need if you have to win the Libertadores you've got to go and do it in your in your rival's backyard yeah, no, that's, I, that's part of the mystic it's yeah. something which 
it's been ingrained as really odd because you come at it from a chat if you're well, for European to this yeah this, that's this what thing. I mean yeah. and as a result like you can't get your head around the idea of oh, it's ridiculous having a final two legs but it's actually not it's how most of the world does it well, yeah. also, the Asian I mean, Champions League's the same why is it Champions League I'm not sure if about you do it for the rest of the but conversely, if you said to those same people, OK, well, what they'll do, at the same time as they do the Champions League draw every round, they'll also pull out a destined, a location for the match. Yeah. They'd say, well, that's ridiculous. Like, you don't do quarterfinals or semi-finals over two legs. It's just what you're used to. And, like For me, one of the beautiful aspects, for all the reasons Dan just said to the supporters, is having that showcase event mm. in the two stadiums. And I think we saw that in the Sudamericana and the Libertadores. Two massive events for the two sets of supporters, which you wouldn't have got had you just put it somewhere else in the continent. Yeah. Plus, I can't see how it would even make commercial sense because surely from advertisers' point of view, from a broadcaster's yeah, point of view, having match, two finals sense, yeah. is better than one because everyone's going to watch two finals if they're interested. Obviously, if you brought it in for the Champions League, just open out, right, no, now we're going to do two, two-legged final. It would be ridiculous. But if it's always been like that and you've got all of the interest for both games... Mm. can't imagine I mean how much can you benefit just putting it in one stadium it, I don't know it doesn't it doesn't compute on a human level a financial level uh, any kind of level for me no indeed it, it works in Europe where the travel distances are relatively mm. small and the spending power is relatively large and the plane tickets are a lot cheaper yeah, yeah exactly precisely <laughs> um, yeah. And, but yeah for elsewhere I'm not so sure um Tom Robinson says, do you think Naitan Nandes, the Boca Juniors midfielder, looks more like Juan Mata or Joel Richards? That's a trick question because Juan Mata and Joel Richards are the same person. They have never been seen together in the same room. They have not. Certainly. So, yeah, trick um, question. Mata. He just has but, a shave uh, and he's in Buenos Aires and then grows a beard in Manchester. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is that none of us have seen Joel for about a year. So <laughs> This is true. It's a very yes. difficult question to answer. Are you saying he's now Booker's number eight? I can just barely remember what he looks like. I'm hoping to meet up with him at some yeah. point fairly soon for a drink, but so I, I don't know whether we'll be able to. Um, the Wide Playmaker says, who do you think are the top three foreign players to play in the Argentine League? Past and present. <laughs> Thank you very much for the past question. I mean, that's a possible one to answer. Yeah. So let's just go for the present one. Um, the three best foreign players. Well, Campania, having mentioned him as the top mm. South American goalkeeper, I'm, I'm yeah, assuming yeah. you're going to go for him. Um, and then? Uh, Nandes? Edwin. Probably not just yet. Barrios. Barrios. Barrios should well be, yeah. I was thinking that. Yeah, and Edwin Cardona. But he's been rubbish. <laughs> he's scored a few goals in recent weeks but he's not actually been very good for Boca in terms, of, in terms of his overall the, the overall level of his career and the trajectory and everything yeah fine but he's not actually been very good in the Argentine league he's been good in a couple of games granted mm, okay I, I'm, I'm not satisfied with that one I'm sure we can come up with someone better I would say Moira if he's but he's, he's been injured all yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm thinking about that. He's not saying in current form, he's just saying who's the standout, there in the present. He's no, saying present. Which is so good for the league. The standout play, players yeah. in all of the top teams are from Argentina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at Rivers' team, Boca, the, the Grandes plus, I don't know who you want to throw in yeah. as the, the best teams at the moment below that, but the, the top players from those teams are. Let's have a stab at past in anyway. Could be fun. I would say Luis Leal. <laughs> Past and present. Recent matches have been good. Probably, yeah, but in, in, against Central, he was, he was back to his normal level. Yeah. So I'm feeling quite relieved about that, actually. I thought I was going mad. 
Um, no, we're not going to do past then because there's a few. I reckon, well, yeah, just there to us. So, I mean, well, Francesco Lee, I guess, has to be Francesco one. Lee, Enrico. Enrico, Ruben of course, Bass. the all-time top scorer in the Argentine league, and mm-hmm. Ruben Bass. Of course, the racing flag goes for Ruben Bass. Well, so that's, that's one from each of our clubs. So we're, we're satisfied. <laughs> we'll we're not, say that. Then. Yeah, we're not going to mention the Cameroonian bloke who played for Boca or any of that. It's um, it's not important. Um. Oof, how many more questions have we got? Let's see. Uh, Luis Bessone says, I recall when Handapod informed that the AFA were going to restart the Copa Argentina. I was sceptical and felt that Handapodders were as well. But the Copa Argentina seems to have become a success, especially in light of the away fan rule in the Superliga, i.e. there are none. Um, are the Hopsters surprised at the Copa Argentina's apparent success? He says, apparent from the vantage point of the TAC International in the United States. Um... No, yeah. because I I think I mean I can't remember being particularly. I would say skeptical. not since no, but since they put the Libertadores. Yes, yeah, that was a turning point. Giving me that win That's what made it me like a legitimate tournament because yeah. then it became all the teams were like, well, okay, you, like River had already had their place, but it was always that thing in the pocket of like, well, at the end of the year there's mm. the Copa Argentina mm. final, and if we haven't got a Libertadores spot, we've got that there as. And I think that has made it a really good tournament. It's still a bit of a joke of a tournament. Hopefully, it will become less so. Because, as I've complained many times over the last few years about the fact that it is um, a national tournament that is basically put together by a travel agency. And earlier, a couple of months ago, the the organisation was handed over from that travel agency, whose name I've forgotten, to a different uh, bunch of people. Is it Torneos? It's, it's been hundred too. Oh, nothing to worry about. <laughs> no, of course. But the point is, it, it's no longer in the pocket of, I, I don't think it is Torneos, but it's, it's been handed to somebody else and right. it's not in, uh, Santa Monica was the Santa name of the Monica. travel agency. The guys um, who organised Argentina's friends to, as well. Yes, precisely, yeah. They were basically using it as a way to sell tickets for people to go all over Argentina. Mm. Um, not that I'm suggesting this, it's going to be a more sensibly done competition with matches being played closer to home anymore but no I'm not particularly surprised by the success I'm glad about it mm-hmm. it's um, really good I think it's, yeah, it's, it's been a great addition yeah, and I agree really with good. what you're saying Peter about how if it weren't and, that Libertadores spot it yeah. probably wouldn't have taken off in quite the same and way and likewise if you were going to say how do you improve it that what you were alluding yeah. to is exactly what you want to do is looking at the actual fixtures and saying who's playing who yeah. okay right well let's try and choose a venue based around the two sets of the yeah some sort of sense let's not have Racing versus Arsenal and make them play in Mendoza in <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Tom Robinson says are all of the summer friendlies played in Malden Plata or are there any going on in Cordoba or am I going to have to be content with befriending Willy Machia <laughs> instead I didn't know who Willy Machia is because I'd seen him on TV but I'd had the TV muted at the time he's an astonishing man um, and had a pod of big fans of him now and would like to get him on one episode although it wouldn't work particularly well on a podcast uh, he turns water into fernet um, but the answer the visitor the, the, the yeah we did the answer is that we don't, we don't know not all of the friendlies are going to be played in Mar del Plata there'll almost um, certainly be one in Cordoba they haven't they've they announced the talking. list of the Mar del Plata ones is the difference so yeah. far there, there are still talks apparently about taking River or Boca, River and Boca, sorry, River versus Boca, to either Cordoba or, or Mendoza. But I think it's now been finalised, hasn't it, that it's going to be in Mar del Plata. The friendly, one, definitely not the Supercopa Argentina. Unless they, because in the previous be years they've done like two or three, haven't they? They yeah. did like a tour of Supercopa. Well, hopefully it's just going to be one this time, and then 
But I, I thought, wasn't it supposed to be last summer was the last one that a bunch of these clubs were going to be involved in? And then they said, we're not going to play the Tornados de Verano anymore. Yeah, and, then, and then Verano came round and we'll it was like, but it's the Tornados de Verano. We'll be the best decision taking into account that the, 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 the Superliga restarts on the 28th of January would be yeah. like a torneo de verano uh, mm. because it starts in summer so it's yes ridiculous uh, well you still got to play friends right? here you've got to practice something yeah I yeah, think exactly. uh, Tom's question is loaded by the fact that he's actually in Gordon yeah. in January ah ok so that's why he's hoping indeed oh, that's why he's hoping to be friends <laughs> <laughs> If you're passing through Buenos Aires on the way down, then obviously get in touch. You never know what might one happen. One of them are the Plata Friendlies, I think, is the classic or the... Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, but very seriously, Tom, if you are passing through Buenos Aires, then do get in touch. It would be a pleasure to meet up with you. Um, and then we have Chris Hartley, who asks, with Orlan coming from a non-football background, he's capitalised non-football background, to coach Independiente to capitalise success... Do you think we we could have more coaches from a non-football background coming into the game? I think the short answer is going to be no, because Orlando's been in football for a fair amount of time yeah. now anyway. It's about 10 years or something as assistant manager and then manager. Um, but yeah, Orlando 15 years ago was managing the Uruguayan national team in women's field hockey, mm-hmm. uh, where he won the bronze medal in the Pan American Championships um, in 2003. And we had the uh, Sergio Vigil, uh, the former... Leona's manager the hockey the women's national team the hockey women the women's hockey national team uh, play uh, working at River not as a coach I think or, or perhaps as a coach but in minor divisions uh, and he's not anymore there so yes I don't think there I, th- I think it's going to be I mean it's something that, that's never impossible I mean I'm reminded of Clive yes, Woodward right. the England World Cup winning uh, rugby World Cup manager who who, which football club was he, he went with? Can't remember. One of the London teams, I think it was, just that shortly after winning the World Cup. Um, Could be a, yeah. I think it was, yeah. That was sort of a weird thing with Bernie Eccleston. He, he was more of a director of football figure than it was a manager. more of a tax dodge, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if his lawyers are, are listening to this, please. Football <laughs> these are Dan's opinions, not our <laughs> Um, but yeah I mean uh, it's going to be a minority thing I wouldn't say it will never happen again but no I don't think it's going to be happening all the time well, I think it's uh, San Paoli as well who never played professional football he, w- he mm. got injured before he ever played and he yeah. sort of worked his way up as a teenage coach just he's like he's always a, a football coach well yeah this is true and anyway yeah. I, I think the, the major point is that it's not as if independent hiring went to the hockey team no Um, Paul Richardson says well done to Independiente and what is the latest on Tevez the latest on Tevez is that he's currently somewhere in Buenos Aires and um, may or may not sign for Boca playing a bit of golf with his old pals Training on his own, yeah, almost certainly, yeah, and mm-hmm. singing some cumbia with his band. Yes, training, training on his own, and, and apparently the Chinese club, uh, Shanghai, had has put more conditions for Boca to or Tevez for yeah. Tevez to live, and it would be very difficult. Even in, in from, the meantime, he, he can enjoy the nice clean air of Buenos Aires to train in. Yeah, compared yes. with from the, the uh, beginning, uh, the negotiations were hard, bec- uh, were hard because I don't think Angelisi wants. Tevez to be at Boca, but if it's cheap and or or, or if Tevez plays pays the the money that uh, uh, it's necessary to for for him to to be free, yeah. in that case. But uh, I don't know. I, I reckon Shenua playing a 
a fairly dangerous game as well. If Gentlemen. they are Shenua, <laughs> Shenua, it's very similar. It's pain in the because I think they do want Tevez out. They want to recoup something, but yeah. if Boca in the end turn around, they go, oh, fuck off. We're not playing that for a thirty-three-year-old guy who's done nothing all year. They've got a wage bill of forty million to yeah, yeah. to that seems face to over yeah. their course. So they've got a. I mean, I reckon this will happen. It's a big game of bluff. Boca don't want to put any money up front. Uh, Shanghai, I'm going to say, to avoid any further confusion with Sam. Uh, want to get rid of him, but they don't want to make it look like they're just giving him away because they made a horrible mistake mm-hmm. last January. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of push and pull, uh, but at some point it's going to happen. I'll be very, very, very surprised if Tevez isn't lining up for Boca come January. I'm going to rush us along because we've still got more questions and we've been what? recording for fucking ages already. <laughs> Tariq El Haidar says, What do you think of Argentina's World Cup draw? Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria uh, in the group. Uh, could, could have been easier. Um, could it? Yeah, it could have been easier. Given that they just lost a friendly to Nigeria. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, in terms of, it would have been easier if they hadn't lost that friendly. It could have when, been when, a you looked at, harder. when you looked at the possible draws, it could have been an easier draw. Yeah. But. When you look at the the draws, the draw actually as it was made, I have to say I think ignoring Argentina's group and just looking at all the groups as a whole, I, I don't think there's a single interesting one. <laughs> I think well, no, the new, the new yeah. seeding. Imagine what it's going to be like with forty-eight teams. The yeah. new seeding basically avoided any group of death. So mm. Argentina's is the so-called closest one to a group of death, but it's, it's a group actually, of that's what they're saying. The group of discomfort. Yeah, but I think they were saying that those two are like guaranteed to go through as yeah. one and two. Whereas Argentina have got like th- what they're saying is three games, which none of them are like absolute gimmicks. The, the other three are interesting, but if Argentina don't win that group, yeah, exactly, that's the thing. And they don't deserve this. This is this is a thing, really. If they can't get out of that group, then they don't deserve exactly. The that's the thing. That's I'm saying. the end it's of like, the discussion. Could have been easier, but that's the the key point. Yeah. One more question is from Liam Kelly, who's no relation to me. He says, Felicitaciones Independiente. You get to play the mighty Suruga Bank Cup. I think it's the Suruga Bank Trophy, actually, technically. Uh, for the second time. <laughs> Why does it exist? He asks. Because Suruga Bank are willing to pay money to put their yeah, name to it. Because there's lots of money in Japan. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we can say connections between Japan and Argentina, footballistically, have always been... Pretty tight. South America generally, of course, because the Copa Sudamericana. And, and yeah, but especially with Japanese Argentina, I think. Like, also yeah. a big Japanese community in Brazil and in Peru. Yeah. And Flamengo um, got a lot of fans in Japan, Fruzico, yeah. and there's a couple of links there. I guess, so I guess there the, is interest. I guess the old Intercontinental Cup must have helped. Yeah, yeah some obviously, of these yeah, obviously, yeah. So um, that's probably why they have some interest in bringing South American teams to Japan still. Yeah. Uh, and he says, on the Julio Buffarini links to River and Boca, which club would he be best suited at? He's, he's 34 or 35. Really? He? Is he that old? Nah, nah he's not that old, isn't he? No, no. 31 at most. 10 years less. No, well, uh, 33 or 34? No, I think he's been 24 for about 10 well, years. Well, no, that, that was Franco Soldano. 29. Oh, okay, he's 29. So, yeah, I'm, once again, I'm massively young. I'm surprised you he's that s- young, I have to say. Are you serious? That is shocking. He's four years younger than me. <laughs> he seems to have been around forever. Um, but anyway. Um, I was going to fly back. back which club would he be best suited at? From Panama once. Huh? Him and his family. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, what were they like? Seemed very pleasant. I didn't have a chat with him. Did, people, did were, people were annoying him, and even though he was with his little girl. 
Did you hear him say that he was particularly fond of either River or Boca? Because that would be a, re- a great source. Yeah, to I mean, this, question. this was about five years ago, but even then, he did. I did overhear him say that he yeah. would much rather join River. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there yeah, you go. Yeah. We have it from the horses. There's an exclusive. Yeah. Peter may or may not have been completely uh-huh. making that up, but that's going to be the last answer to the last question on Hand of Pod in 2017 uh, please join us again in 2018 we will be back in really really early next year actually won't we because uh, mm-hmm. as Andres says the, the league restarting early so we'll be back in the week beginning the 22nd of January next year no time away it's five weeks nice. that's all we get off um, please share us with your friends in the meantime please go and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash follow us on Twitter at at handoffpod um, and decide how much of your hard-earned money you might be happy to um, part with on Patreon. I'm thinking around £5 or £10 a month, possibly different tiers, depending on extras, if I can think up any extras. Um, so we'll see. Um, but, Signed photos, yeah. I, I See, I can't promise sign photos because the postal service here is so uh, bad. I, mean, I was mm. thinking sort of Facebook live events. Fire an email attachment, though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're happy with a signed photo that's scanned in, then we can you want a signed photo, Sam? I've got um, one on my wall and it looks lovely. Really opens up the room. Indeed. Yeah. My girlfriend would absolutely hate to have a photo of me with my current hair on the wall, but still, <laughs> she you can have a haircut first. She, she won't be the one receiving this signed photograph, so it's fine. Well, she will if she signs up. That's her call. She, mm. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, she might do. I, I can't she see wants her doing some it. of the bonus features. I'll, I'll be honest. I'd be quite surprised <laughs> if my girlfriend pays any money for the pod. But you never know. I suppose. Let's remain optimistic. Um, anyway, seriously, thank you all for listening for another another year. Yet another year. Um, and we hope that you have a very good summer or winter break, depending which hemisphere you're in, and a wonderful Christmas, New Year. Hanukkah was just a couple of days ago, wasn't it? So we hope you've had a nice Hanukkah um, or Diwali or whatever you're going to be celebrating. Uh, for now, it is thank you, good night, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all the rest of it from Peter. Goodbye. From Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From English Dan. Goodbye and thank you. And from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.